I see those big, bright, shiny red trucks just a trucking down the road. Those big, bright, shiny red trucks just a looking for another load. Well, it's a family tradition, any Rocky Mountain day. Our fathers before us showed us the way. We work for asphalt cowboys and concrete kings. But that's never been a problem, cause we got diesel in our veins. We've got diesel in our veins. I see those big, bright, shiny red trucks just a trucking down the road. Those big, bright, shiny red trucks just looking for another load. Here, there's a couple million tons to move. I see them everywhere. So you best get out their way and watch that sand and gravel disappear. There's another run to make. We gotta get it there on time. And we got what it takes to lay it all out on the line. We'll lay it all out on the line. I see those big bright shiny red trucks just a trucking down the road those big bright shiny red trucks just looking for another load those big bright shiny red trucks got the best drivers in town they got all the tools they need to keep that hammer down when they hit them scales they won't need to dodge them won't need to duck them they just keep that hammer down and they keep that diesel truck in. Keep that hammer down and keep that diesel truck in. I see those big, bright, shiny red trucks just a trucking down the road. Those big, bright, shiny red trucks just a looking for another load. They just keep them doors closed, keep them butts in their seats. Cause those customers are calling, and those red trucks can't be beat. They've gotta put the hammer down, and pick up another load. Get it off the ground, keep them eyes open and on the road. Keep them eyes open on the road. See those big, bright, shiny red trucks just a trucking down the road. Those big, bright, shiny red trucks just looking for another load. Breaker, breaker, two, three. Anybody got a copy on that Channel 23 podcast? Welcome and thanks for listening. All right, man. <laughs> I love that. That song is amazing yeah that's our new new intro and it's a it's a dedication to everybody out there you guys uh have to brag uh brother dave wrote that one and then uh he was able to get somebody or hired a company to put it to music and and sing it so i think he he did a great job and amazing he put a lot of work in it the funny thing is his brother dave hated the intro music for (laughs) 70 episodes he's complained about it it took 70 episodes but one day he 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 solved it. He wrote a song. <laughs> right. And that's about what it was going to take for me to change the intro music. So congrats, Brother Dave. That's amazing. So 
Welcome back, everybody. Uh, the purpose of this podcast is to reach out and touch the fleet, to engage and inform everyone with all things JFW. In the studio today, we got Jim White, Garda Boy, Super Dave, <laughs> singer-songwriter Dave White, <laughs> and our very special guest, Al Fry Jr. Welcome, guys. Good Hi, morning. everybody. Yeah. Morning, everybody. Good morning, morning Al. Yeah. It's going to be a good one. You guys ready to rock and roll? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's kick it off with the pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Man, I still can't believe we get to do this. This is just, <laughs> it's just fun. Yeah. You know? What a what a great way to spend our Wednesday morning. Have to have to come up with a lot of information. I mean, it's a it's a little bit of work to do that, but once yeah. once we step in here, it's fun. Yeah. You know, right. it's 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 like, oh, we get to talk about all this stuff, you know, and have guests like you, Al. It's yeah. awesome. And I got to thank everybody because, you know, in the beginning, it was easy for me to write an outline. There was just so much to talk about. The first 10 episodes, it's like, you know, piece of cake, and it yeah. just gets harder. So I appreciate everybody appreciate everybody jumping in. I had a lot of help last week. This week, I had more help from uh, the brothers, Super Dave, Linda. They wrote the questions, so I appreciate everybody's help. Uh, just as a reminder, anything you hear on today's podcast is not the opinion of JFW or Albert Fry and Sons. <laughs> it is just the five men in this room's opinion. So, uh, Episode 70 did, did well. It had 455 downloads. We are at 26,634 total downloads, and we have 164 followers. This week, we picked up the Czech Republic and Indonesia. I mean, it just went Crazy. off, but somebody out there <laughs> right? really had nothing else to do but listen yeah. to our yeah. podcast. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully we were entertaining. Well, yeah. I, know, I, mean, I know Steve Schwagler stopped by last oh, week. Oh, yeah. Shout out and to he, Steve. And he was the, uh, we picked up another country last week. Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Yeah. And he said, that was me. That was, <laughs> yeah. oh, he, he said was I was vacation, in Puerto Rico. Huh? Yeah, he yeah. was on vacation in Puerto Rico. And he yeah. said, I, I saw the podcast came out he said i had to download it and listen so he yep, goes, that was that's me awesome. so anyway hey steve thanks for stopping by yeah, buddy it was yeah, great to was, see you steve that yeah. was awesome yeah i'm super excited to have al on when i was a kid <clears throat> i wanted to work at a rock quarry and it was like i was about 14 years old and back then jim and dave you probably don't know because you've never had to look for a job right but <laughs> you used to get the newspaper and you would circle the jobs that you oh, wanted right. to apply yeah, for right. and then you would go around some of them were you know don't call apply in person so I rode my bike to this rock quarry and I get there and, um, you know, I'm like, I want an application to fill out, you know, I got a squeaky voice still. I'm looking up. I want to fill out an application and they're like, sorry, you're too young. So I pull out the newspaper and I show them. It says, now hiring minors. so fast forward fast forward a few years i actually applied at albert fry and sons i drove up to fry pit six and i walk in there and i fill out the application and the guy looks at him and he says getting stoned is not relative job experience Bam! Uh, you are on it, Jim. He's on a roll. I'm not even going to say that. You rocked it. It's time for the dad joke challenge. <laughs> Al, we're going to let you go first. Well, on that note, mine's pretty quick and short, but Good. since we're, uh, you know, putting the companies on the line, wh- why uh, <laughs> why can't test two babies be truck drivers? Ooh. <laughs> oh, man. Because you're not Peterbilt. <laughs> oh, man. 
<laughs> Very good. good. There you go. Uh, nice yeah. job. Represent. Yeah. I like Coming it. in swinging. Like yep. There you go. Oh man, I, mine's gonna pale in comparison, but uh, not everybody knows my wife's gone out of town this week. We've been married a long time, and I, just her being gone, I miss her. And I'm, I was like, gosh, it reminded me of our first date, and I just got to thinking about it. And you know what? What capped off that first date? She just loves tonic water. And on our first date, I bottle, bought her a bottle of tonic water, and I, I guess you could say I swept her off her feet. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, oh, man. Good. Well, they're going down. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, mine's a dad joke, but it's a little bit longer, and uh, it's about this old man that accidentally crashes into this really nice car and it happens to be a a rich guy and he really messes the back of the guy's car up and the guy gets out of the car all upset and he goes man he said do you see what you've done to my car you messed it up he said i I want ten thousand dollars right now cash and the old man's like oh i'm sorry he said i i just don't have that kind of money on me he said let let me call my son because he teaches dolphins and the guy's like, I don't care if he teaches dolphins or what he does. That's weird. He said, call him. I, I want my car fixed, and I want the $10,000. So the old guy calls his son up, and he goes, hey, son, I'm here. And before he can even finish talking to the guy, the rich guy rips the phone out of his hands and says, I don't care what you do. You teach dolphins or whatever. You're, you're, this old guy crashed into me, and I want $10,000. And he said, otherwise, he said, I'm going to beat you, and I'm going to beat your dad. Or the old man here. And he said, and the guy's like, fine, I'll be right there. Hangs up the phone. Pretty soon this guy shows up in a Jeep. And he gets out and he gets in a fight with the the rich guy, (laughs) beats him up, leaves him on the curb. He walks over to the old guy and he looks at the old guy and he goes, Dad, he says, I don't teach dolphins. I train Navy SEALs. <laughs> That's I, didn't, I didn't think see that one coming at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of the, the did you guys did we tell the penguin joke? The guy gets in an accident, he's on the way to the zoo to bring the penguins there and he breaks down. So somebody's like, Can I help you? He's like, Yeah, well you take the penguins to the zoo. The guy's like, Yeah. So the guy gets his car going or his van or the truck or whatever, and he goes to the zoo and the the penguins aren't there so he starts freaking out he's driving all over the place and all of a sudden he sees the guy coming out of the movie theater with a bunch of penguins he's like hey i told you to take the penguins to the zoo he's like i did and when we were down there we went to the movie theater i was going to take them <laughs> bowling there <laughs> <laughs> uh, soup what do you good. got well, I'll tell you, I got a lame dad joke right out of Big Country's dad joke book that awesome. he gave me last week. Oh, I got to interrupt you, Dave. That was my, Mine was from Big Country's calendar that he gave me. I yeah, got, well, I got a dad joke calendar. I thought it was cute. You know, Bella will like it. <laughs> I will tell her or I'll let her listen. For sure. Why, why does Waldo wear a striped shirt? Why? Well, because he doesn't want to be spotted. That is good. Boom. All right, new employees. We have Mickey Kendrick start this week. Welcome, Mickey. Welcome welcome aboard, Mickey. Mickey. Where's he from, Super Dave? He's from Tennessee. Okay, I like his accent. I want to introduce him to big country so they can talk about Tennessee. Gotcha. I like it. Celebrations, anniversaries. Last week I missed Stingray. He was trying to make it no big deal. He's like, oh, it's only 18 years. (laughs) <laughs> He's like, when I hit 20, that's a big deal. So 
Happy anniversary, Stingray. He had 18 years on the second. Congratulations, Stingray. You know, Thank, Sting, you. Yeah, Stingray Thank you for all your time here. He into his 20s if he didn't quit twice and came back twice. <laughs> yeah. he, he says you give him a hard time about that. <laughs> you bet. John Danava, two years today. Happy Rocking. anniversary, John. Congrats, yeah, John. John. Is yeah. that, that's that's it, technically longer than that because he worked say. for us for two summers or oh, when he part-time. started in the Wash yeah. Bay. Three. Right. Yep. Yeah. Part-time, yeah. Sorry about that, John. So it's probably four years, yep. Edward Cabral, one year today. Well, congrats, you, Edward. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. And then Randy Hogue, three years tomorrow. Wow, Fantastic. big Randy, three years. It's been a, been a long three years. I told Randy, it <laughs> feels like 10. <laughs> you know, he is one of those guys that that sounds like you're giving him a hard time, like it feels like 10. It I just am. feels like he's always been here. because yeah. yeah. so I'm giving him a hard yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Birthdays, Alan or Alan Chili Dog Martinez and Armando Duvall had a birthday on March 5th. Yeah, happy birthday. Happy yeah. birthday, yeah. guys. And then family birthday celebrations, we got Giselle Ariola and Olivia Romero, uh, March 6th were their birthday. So that's Alonzo and uh, Veronica's daughter and then Dustin's daughter, Olivia. And, so. I, and Olivia is the one that was here with Dustin when we did the one podcast. Do I have the right? Yes. She was. Yep. She's done a couple ride along. She's turning 16. So. Yep. 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 Oh, very cool. Yep. There, there's also one more birthday on March 5th. Jim Sr. had a birthday on March 5th. Oh, happy birthday, oh, happy Jim Happy birthday, Sr. Sr. Yep, yep. <clears throat> we'll have and to get that into the, into the spreadsheet. <laughs> right? Yep, uh. yep. And I know since Al's here this morning, I happen to know it's his brother's birthday, Joe, right? It's his birthday today. Oh, wow. so yeah. Happy yeah. birthday, Joe. Very cool. And then uh, <clears throat> Fabiola, which is uh, Pedro Sotelo's wife, she wanted to thank us for the uh, card and the gift that she received. So. Fantastic. Yeah. Yep. I think it was for his anniversary. Yep. Very cool. So shout outs. Anybody have shout outs before I move on to mine? Yeah, I just wanted to mention Jam is kind of a, I was just looking for something different because we try to say thank you to everybody. And I know when we had our steering committee last week, you know, Scooby mentioned about saying thank you to everybody and mm-hmm. how important it is and to hear that kind of stuff. And right. and we, we talk about a lot of the new guys and, and I know we just did anniversaries, but I, I just wanted to mention, I looked it up right quick and, and you you might not be at your seven years. Let's say your seven years is June of this year, but I just wrote it down anyway. So we have 16 people just quickly that have been with us seven years plus. Wow. And I, and I just picked that because that's a lot of people at seven years. So yeah. I want to just give a shout out. So that's Dwayne Sands. That's JR, Dustin Romero, Mike Bortz, Charlie Brand, Rich Brown, John Dean, Chris Beam, Ann Stutz, um, Linda, uh, my wife Holly, Marty, Rick Gray, Mikey in the shop, Mike Stingray, obviously, because he just did 18, mm-hmm. and Dave Weldon here. So, nice. yeah, thank you guys for yeah. all the years. That's you know, awesome. we, we miss cool. that, that marks. You know what I mean? It, it, it's important to have retention. Al, uh, what's uh, retention like over at uh, Albert Fryan Sons? Oh, we're really blessed like that. Yeah. Um, you know, we kind of have an internal joke that if you last three months at Albert Fry, you'll probably be there for 10 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's yeah. Great, awesome. Great yeah. problem to have. Yeah. How long has Bashu been there? 
Bashu was pushing almost 13 years. Nice. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. a great guy, man. Bashu was amazing. Yeah. He's got a pretty good name down here. You guys kind of know his story a little bit. No, can no. you tell us? I, I hired him out of the gas station in Idaho Springs. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. And, uh, I, you know, creature of habit, go there, get gas, get, do the same thing all the time. And and he said, I want to come work for you. I said, you, you don't want to work at a quarry. He said, no, I, I've heard good things about you guys. And. So eventually he came over, started started as a bin operator, you know, and then uh, moved into the scale, and now he's kind of the scale master, you know, front yeah. front lead supervisor. But but he came from from Nepal, Nepal. and he came uh, came Got from it. Nepal on a persecution uh, persecution visa. Wow! And uh, he was thrown into the jungle by the communists and wow. because he was kind of a school teacher and teaching kind of economic and democratic ways and wow. and, and got wow. out of Nepal and, and and now he's here his family's here he's got two kids uh, that's then, awesome and then you know, his culture is great I really appreciate you telling us that because a lot of people have asked where's Bashu from and nobody, nobody knows and you know people will guess and stuff like that but what a story man and you know, we he his name is kind of a staple down here, <laughs> and even sometimes because we send our tickets electronically to our drivers, mm-hmm. and we'll even say "ticket in the box" yeah. when, <laughs> when we send a ticket. <laughs> so, yeah, it usually has a little twang to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. ticket in the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've never even heard of that, Alan. A persecution visa? Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah, you know, it's, I, I don't know if that's the right term, but 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 he got here because. You know, he was in trouble, and, right? Right. And our and our country did the right thing. I mean, you know? and to to hear that he was a teacher, like people that have a heart of a teacher. I mean, that's not me, you know. And I, I got a special place in my heart for those people because of their hearts. But yeah, that's 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 wild. Yeah. So good, good stuff. The the American dream. I'm glad yep. we could help. Shout out yeah. to Bashu. Anybody else have any shout outs before I move on to the company shout outs? I do have a neat story about Bashu. Okay. I was uh, coming down from doing a delivery up at, um, I don't know, it was one of the mountain golf courses. Um, maybe it was up in Breckenridge. But anyway, it was the last load of the day. So typically, Al, what we do is we try to get down the hill and grab a last load out of the quarry to come down the rest of the way into town so we don't come back empty-handed, you know? Absolutely, yeah. And uh, it was a load of topsoil, and I, I hadn't completely cleaned out, so I pulled across the street. And I was up in my trailer, and it was late. I mean, it was probably quarter to five. And so I really wasn't in, like, a hurry because I knew how late it was. And um, I'm in the trailer sweeping out, and I'm thinking, wow, this is too late. I'm not going to get my load, you know. Bashu ran across the street, said, hey, hey, JFW, hey. And I'm looking over the top rail of my trailer, and he goes, you need a load? And I said, yeah, I do. And he goes, well, they're still running out of the bins, you know, because they, I think you run until like 6 o'clock at night in the mm-hmm. summertime. He goes, just cruise under the bin and tell them, you know, what, where you're going, and they'll get you loaded. I didn't ask. I mean, I didn't beg or anything. I mean, I didn't even talk to I thought Bashu was gone. But yet he took it upon himself to run across the street yeah, that's awesome. and get, that is and very get, cool. and get yeah. me loaded. Another yeah. shout out to Bashu. Yeah, that's good <laughs> people right there. Yep. That's the fry way, you know, just yeah. taking care of people. Now that doesn't mean everybody can show up there at five thirty. <laughs> no, and get the last load either. But <laughs> that's great. Uh, that's I funny. love that. Yep. Shout out to uh, all the drivers that signed up for the truck rodeo. Uh, they are moving forward, or we are moving forward to April first date. The rain date will be April twenty second. So we got the truck rodeo going down, and it's less than a month away. 
So, good yeah, deal. Yeah, it'll be here before you know it, Jim. Yep. I want to give a shout-out to everyone who made it through the winter. I know we still got some, probably a little bit of snow in the forecast, and we're not completely out of the woods yet. But, yeah. man, it's been a tough winter, winter, and if you've been hanging in there, we appreciate it. And things are getting ready to, to crack open here pretty quick. So, it won't be overnight, but it will be ramping up. Yeah, pretty soon, sure. so. yeah, that's a good one, Jam. Thanks, everybody. Yep. Yep. Don't forget, change your clocks this weekend. Yeah. That's uh, the first sign of spring. My, elf, right. my iPhone does that. <laughs> change my clock. <clears throat> Tony Martinez, uh, he wanted to give a shout-out. He says, good afternoon, fellas. Next week podcast, I want to sp- send a big shout-out. As you guys know, my assigned truck has been in and out of the shop. This morning, I got loaded around 6 a.m. in Fairplay and broke down in Jefferson County. 0096 had derated and had no power on top of that. I had no phone service. Well, the following drivers helped me out as much as possible. Jesse in 00103 saw me parked in Jefferson, got out on the radio and asked if I was okay. I replied yes. Then he asked me if I wanted to Netflix and chill. My reply, I don't Netflix and chill with people who still watch Paw Patrol. Dale pulled up behind me and parked, got out to talk to me, so I got out to chat with him. Well, instead of chat, he gave me two backhands and told me to quit breaking stuff, then drove away. I was terrified. Then there was Kurt, kind, positive, and cheesy-ass smile, had got on the radio and said, I remember my first driver. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> then Bob with phone call assisted with Mikey. What what a start to my Friday. Good thing the weather was fair and the roads were dry. Story was a little dramatic. All in all, these gentlemen did the right thing and reached out and helped me as much as possible. Keep grinding and keep pounding the pavement. Thanks, fellas. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a good one from Tony. <laughs> and then Chili Dog wanted to give a shout out. <laughs> It's funny, I must have left my phone downstairs, but if I recall his text message, <clears throat> he won't, no, 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 yeah, Chili Dog, want to give a shout out to whoever drove his truck for the last few days. I did look in Sam Sorry. it was a combination of Bob Marty in yesterday, the day before was Billy Rosfus, which I know how to pronounce now, and then Friday was Tony Martinez, so those three guys, shout out from Chili Dog. Very cool. Yep. All right, any more shout outs, guys? I don't want to miss anything, no? Yeah, good. Okay. Getting into discussion, uh, let's talk about dispatch times. I know we've been having some trouble with that. Anybody want to elaborate a little bit? Yeah, I think we just wanted to touch on it, Jam, that, you know, when you're assigned a dispatch time, and and I know everybody, you know, like you just announced, we got through the winter and stuff. People are probably, you know, short on cash, that kind of stuff. You know, tired of sitting at home waiting for loads and different things like that. But when we assign a dispatch time, that is your start time. And we can't have you leaving way early and, and running up, you know, to fries and grabbing an early load because you're, you know, when other people follow that start time, you're kind of taking a load away from them. So we're trying to spread out all the loads so everybody gets a load. And then the other reason is, you know, you might have that start time because the plant didn't want you there at, you know, five thirty or six o'clock. They're 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 not going to start batching until let's say seven o'clock. They haven't made any room in their stockpiles till seven thirty or something. So if yep. we give you a, a six o'clock dispatch, that makes it look like the plant needs the material and the plant operator doesn't shut you off. I know we had a, a fairly early start this week and we had some guys you know out of here at four thirty and five and we do not want to you know 
ding anybody for being early and doing their job. I mean, that's a fantastic right deal to do that. But we had 150 tons in the plant before they even batched anything. Right. And it, and that's it's just too much. It's it, we can't can't do that. And it's like everything else, you know, 30 days or 60 days from now we're going to be begging for early loads in the morning exactly. because we're going to be so busy and right now it's just a little slow. It's yeah. it's that time of year we're we're seasonal and yep. we'll have to get through it. It'll change, you know, before we know it. Yeah, you know. wait for us to wave that flag. Right. Because right? Yeah. right now is not the time. And if you have a 6 a.m. start and you're leaving at 4.30, it's just to serve yourself, right? We need to serve each other first and then serve our customers. So if you have a 6 a.m. start, that means get here at 6. I mean, technically, you could be out the gate at 6.08 at a 6 a.m. start. You know, yeah. if you do a if you do a yeah, trip. Absolutely. Yeah. So. yeah, and we're not, yeah, we're not trying to ding anybody and we're not, we're not doing it to just to mess with everybody right. it's it's just the it's the better way to do it yep. and hey don't be late either it, okay it really is customer <laughs> service i explained yeah. to the guys a lot do you know how big these piles are when you get 20 of them on the ground yeah right oh, yeah. you know yeah. and and when things are busy every one of those piles goes into the bin goes into a grate and it disappears and 20 minutes later it's in a mixer truck but at this time of year we can't do that because right. they're yeah. they're not batching. I've had to run over to Plant Twelve because the loader operator wasn't over there, and we have you know we we got piles on the ground, and man, it's overwhelming to get there. And you got, I mean, there's just it takes a while to get caught up and get right. everything where it needs to be to a point where it's it's easy work, you know. So well, we don't want to. I've made a few calls to Linda. I'm like, what is going on? Half the fleet is up here all at the same time, <laughs> you know? And, uh, yeah. you know, so that's kind of helpful, too, to get the get the flow going. And, sure. and, and it's across your customers, of course, you know, but it's the same thing when, when you guys are picking up loads. When everybody shows up at once, right. it's, it's a little problematic. And yeah, everybody's upset because then everybody's waiting. And, yeah, and, right. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it's not just JFW showing up. It's yeah. everybody yeah. showing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Yeah. And then it. you, I mean... You do us all a favor too, Al. You start early enough, you know, and that's nice to grab that first load from you yeah. and get down here. But like you said, everybody is there, yeah. and that, it, yeah, we need to be we need to be respectful and think about what's going on. Absolutely. The other thing too is if we have a bunch of guys waiting to start at six a.m. and then you're starting at four thirty, what is that? How does that feel to those guys that, that right. paid attention and did the right thing? Yeah, you just, you know? like I said, you might just be taking their load because yeah. you've already yeah. got a load and they get shut off. And right. that that's not, yeah. not fair. fair. And then those guys are going to start early tomorrow. Right. Oh, and yeah. it's going to steamroll. Yeah. Super Dave started at 4. I'm, I'm starting at 355. Exactly. <laughs> uh, next thing on the list is let's make sure our cameras are pointed where they need to be pointed. Okay. Some guys are wiping their windows or doing something and you'll bump your camera and then it's just not effective to be pointing down at the dashboard or <laughs> up at the headliner you know what i mean i mean we can tighten those up as well that's probably what we need to do but basically if you look at your camera if you're standing like at your step your camera should just be 90 degrees up and down if it's 90 degrees up and down it's going to see everything that it needs to see hmm. okay yeah good point jim yeah and and again we use those so much for you know, safety and, and, you know, to exonerate us, yeah. basically. It covers I mean, your butt. Yeah. It's protection. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, like Dennis Viscara, me and Dave were just talking about him the other day. We uh-huh. need to give him a call, see how he's doing. But, you know, he quoted that, that, you know, when's my camera going to be fixed? Because uh-huh. it was broke that one time. Yeah. And he goes, you know, I feel naked without it. Yep. And that's true. Yeah. But he was, you know, he's an older guy. He just retired last year. 
But he was one of the first people that hated the camera. Yeah, yeah he was opposed well, I don't to need, it. Yeah, I don't need Big Brother, you know, <laughs> sitting in my cab with me. Oh, right. And then after time, it became uh, his friend. Right, you a, know? a tool yeah. he used. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Also, if you get a new windshield and your camera's not hung up, just let us know. It'll take us five minutes to, to put your camera up just to grab some tape and, and mount it because sitting on your dashboard is not helping you at all. Right. Yeah. So let us know. Next on the list, we got after treatment issues. Brother Dave, I think you're pretty passionate about this one. Oh, yeah, I'm passionate about it, but I don't have any answers or <laughs> can fix anything. It's it's the world we live in right now, everybody. And, and I mean, we are just inundated every morning. Well, throughout the day, the mornings are obviously worse. And we're trying to work through some problems, you know, that we're seeing as a as a as a resolve, but we're running into everything from EGR codes to DPF codes to sensors. You know, some of them were finding some wiring issues, but unfortunately everything we're forced to own, that's what we have. And this is what we have to deal with. Let's just try and get through it the best we can. I know, uh, actually called upon us. Uh, I get to go back at the end of the month to the Kenworth factory and uh, they chose six customers throughout the United States. We were blessed enough to be one of them just to work with their quality assurance department. And uh, they basically want a list of what issues or problems we have so they can work on it from their end. And unfortunately, you guys, these, I'll call them mandates, but to make the emissions restrictions that they've been forced to make, they have systems in place that are not tried and true right? The, the creation of these components were so fast and so furious, they're not bulletproof. You know, you, you take Henry Ford, he designed a, a vehicle, you know, what, what are we pushing a hundred years ago now that uh, would last, right? <laughs> right? He had innovation, there was creation, there was longevity, all of these things in there. And he wasn't mandated by the government to create that. Right. Right now we're having to meet restrictions in these issues and, and it's only going to get tighter and tougher. And I don't want to use the word worse just because that sounds bad, but it, it, we have some, some next steps in the next 24 months that, that they're going to be forced to, to make right now. Our trucks are allowed 0.2% carbon emission in the next step of 24 in 2024. They're only going to be allowed 0.02. And percent and can, can carbon I, emission. I just want to interrupt you, Dave, so we understand that, or so they understand that, because I think when we say after treatment, what what is that? Can can you explain yeah, that? Yeah. Because so if you just take a raw diesel engine and start it, they smoke. Go back to a, a Mack truck from 1970. Just starting it, the amount of smoke that comes out of the stack, let alone every gear you shift, every time you step on the throttle. If you're just on the throttle the whole time. It's just a constant stream of black smoke. <laughs> that is cool, Dave, but we are better now. <laughs> right? Rolling coal, baby. Yeah, yeah. Scraper smoke. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That that was cool once upon a time, but the you know, we are a better world without that now. I'm you know, we all want cleaner air, cleaner water, all of that great stuff, right? But there's a point where uh, so I, I guess to get back to answer your question, yeah, because the the, I, I, the They've called the reason it's called an after treatment system is we are treating the exhaust that's coming out of the engine 
with an after-treatment system, meaning DEF, diesel exhaust fluid, right? After after it's burnt or exploded yes. and we've we've ran yes. it through the engine, so, there's an exhaust So the out. exhaust, after it comes through the turbo, goes into the exhaust pipe, comes out of the exhaust pipe, goes through a DOC, which is actually a heater that's not running all the time. Then it goes into a DPF, a diesel particulate filter. That diesel particulate filter does exactly what it says. It traps all the particulates in a filter. Well, you all know how black diesel is, the carbon that's in it. The DPF is squirted in there. Diesel goes into the uh, DOC. It's ignited, and it burns that filter. That's what a regen is called, is it's burning the particulate matter in that filter, and it's trying to clean it, right? The technology there has actually gotten much better. You know, when, when these systems first came out back in 2012 and 13, or 10 even, they were horrible, right? You'd plug a DPF in 50,000 miles. And now we can almost go the life of the vehicle, almost 400,000 miles, or I shouldn't say life, but the ownership of our vehicles between four and 500,000 miles. And we're not plugging DPFs unless we've had some type of fault and the system hasn't recognized it. So that's the problem with all these faults and check engine lights and all the issues we're having with the after treatment system. It registers everything. If, if we turn the key on and we don't wait for it to go through its uh, startup application, meaning working through the ABS, the computer check, the engine diagnostic, it, it takes several seconds before you should start the truck. That's because it's doing its own diagnosis. If we just hop in there and just turn the key and just go right to start like you would your car, we're getting multiple check engine lights every morning. Well, our shop can work their way through those problems and decipher it. Even though you may have a check engine light on, we can contact you or you contact us mainly and say, hey, this is nothing. It was, it showed a low voltage. It showed 11.7 volts because, you know, we may have possibly not waited for the key cycle to go through or whatever the case may be. But anyway, everyone, we're working through it the best we can. We're, we're stuck with what we've got. I'm not going to sit here and say we have a bad product because we don't. We have the best product available. We've, we've tried it on Freightliners, Kenworths, Peterbilts. Everyone has almost the same after-treatment program. And what I mean by that, Cummins makes, makes virtually all after-treatment units for all the manufacturers. <laughs> the only one that makes their own is Freightliner, and right. Detroit makes that. Got it. And it is, as far as uh, issues go or check engine lights, it's probably a little better system, but it's heavier it's double the cost of what the Packard product is because it's one unit instead of two. And there's just, you know, there's issues. There's mm. pros and cons, ebbs and flows with everything. So, yeah, I just keep working with us, you guys and gals. We're, we're doing everything we can, you know, and we just appreciate your help <sighs> and patience. It's, I, I would love to say it's going to get better only because maybe with some updates it could. You know, we're not sure. We struggle with the updates anytime we update a vehicle which anytime we plug into the pack car side, we're required to do an update. <laughs> what we've ran into is it in the back end, the engineers aren't, aren't thoroughly checking their update creations. And what I mean by that is we've done like 10 updates in one night and we've realized that the urge to move is disabled in the truck and we can't reactivate it because the new programming doesn't allow us to activate it. We've also had some that uh, we did three one night and didn't know it, but it permanently disabled our PTOs. We couldn't engage our PTOs out. And, you know, we don't test our PTOs. When you drive and you park at night and your PTO worked, 
You don't check it the next morning. <laughs> it's not a common thing, right? It's not like tires or lights. So, you know, we had one driver that loaded a load of Coors. He was clear out in Sterling. We had another truck that was actually delivering a, to a salt shed in Sterling. So two of the three trucks were broke down in Sterling, Colorado, right? And it was, it was miserable. The one we had to do a drop and swap. Luckily, there was another truck with him. We dropped the loaded trailer, which we don't do because of our landing legs. We're not, they're not capable of holding that weight. When we do it, it's, it's a special thing, right? It's, it, it has to be monitored. And anyway, we're able to talk those two guys through it. The third truck was a rock trailer. And he was at, a, at when I say local, he was at least here in Denver, but we had to take all three of those trucks. We, we couldn't figure out why they didn't work. We took all three of them back to MHC Kenworth and they couldn't fix it. They couldn't redo the programming once we finally nice. figured out it was programming. It took four days after we did an update that they said was better. You know, so yeah, that's we're in the technology age and it's coming faster than maybe some things are programmed for. So anyway, gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm on my after treatment horse. I better get off. So I yeah, yeah, I guess that's what I was just trying to understand it all, Dave, because when you talk about going from point two to point oh two and, and we're having failures at this, like one of the failures when he talked about it, it heating up, so I'm gonna make this temperature up. If we need to heat it up to 500 degrees before the system works, when we, when we burn out a DPF, if the truck gets to like 499, it recognizes that it only got to 499. And it won't work. And it won't work. That's how sensitive the system is. So that, that's, and then they're gonna, they're gonna make it even more restrictive, so that, that's what we're worried about, is that next step is even gonna be harder to reach. You know, and like you mentioned, the uh, exhaust gas recirculation, the EGR. So they're recirculating the gas out of the exhaust. That's what through that's, the engine. Through the engine. That's that's <laughs> one of the pieces there. So there's just so much. But you know, not to get on that government thing, and, and I know Dave would love to go there too. But that's the standards the government set up for the emissions. And it's such a push. It's ahead of the technology. Mm. That that's all it comes down to. It, and it and we want cleaner air. I mean, absolutely. Right. But we don't want to be broke down. You know, we don't want to have a truck that derates and it gives you four hours or it just plain derates and you, you can barely get it off the side of the road. That's, yeah, we're thrilled to have a four hour window to right? get back to the yard. Right. Yeah, the yeah. majority of them, it's broke. It's done. They, have, have you talked with Rick or anybody about what their plans are to get to 0.02? Are we going to have two DPF filters it's, or? It's kind of a. I don't know yet. <laughs> I'll describe it in a simpleton term kind of, Dave, just because it's so technical. Uh-huh. But it's basically the addition of an oven oh, to wow. your truck. That the exhaust will run through the oven and be superheated mm-hmm. before it goes into the DPF. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's going to be heavier. Off more. Right? It's going to be heavier. It's going to make the truck heavier. You know, it's another couple hundred pounds. I can't imagine what the maintenance is on something that's designed to run at... And, and again, like Jim said, I'm going to make this number up, but if we're already heating the exhaust, and, and I do think we're at 500 degrees It's something plus, like that, Dave. Or maybe yeah. even 600 when we heat the DPFs. Yeah. So this will be hotter than that, wow. right? I mean, when you're near a truck that, you know, we shouldn't have trucks parked on the side of the road doing a regen. That should never happen because if they're working properly, they're regening running down the road. You'll have a light come on on the dash and... You can mm-hmm. you can smell it when you come to a stop. Sure You're like, can. whoa, something's hot. It it smells in the cab here. I mean, you Sometimes you realize they smoke a little bit too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And you realize you're doing a regen. That's the proper function of that system. If you get an alert and we're having to park and regen during the day, 
something's wrong. We mm. should never have that. So could you imagine that new oven, right? What What's that going to do when we're running down the road? Because you can feel the heat. When you stop and get out, you feel the heat from around that truck. It's oh, hot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the guys so. will have somewhere to warm their burrito up. <laughs> was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you don't need to right? stop at a food truck, yeah. that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I, know, I know the, or I thought the equipment was like a couple tiers behind us, but are you fighting it, Al, with the, with oh, the newer loaders and stuff? It's it's terrible. Um, you know, we're a little bit more fortunate because of the horsepower requirements, and the, the treatment systems are a little different for, for larger horsepower engines. But, yeah, our mechanics, you know, they're so – they'd rather keep an old tractor for <laughs> oh, 20,000 right. hours that doesn't have that type of technology on it than, right. than get something new. Absolutely. And, um yeah, it's 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 tough. I'd, I'd classify as a good old fashioned goat grab half the time. You know, <laughs> right. like it's it's just it's frustrating. And then for me, as you know, as a business owner and and you know an, an operator, at the end of the day, it, it's going to cost us all more money. Oh yeah, right. not Absolutely. not only the businesses but the consumer. Yeah, you know, yep. that that extra, you know, five hundred pound oven, you know, <laughs> it's a yeah. quarter ton. You know, yep. that's that's. In our business, every ton matters, you know, and so that load of concrete or that that pavement in front of your front yard is going to cost somebody more money because of these regulations. And you know, we have a mantra: you know, everything in moderation, nothing in excess, right? You know, we want we want quality environment and, and air, but you know, is it really the nice new truck on the road that's causing all the air pollution? Yeah, or is it you know? A combination of things or is it blowing over from overseas because those guys are <laughs> cranking you know right. crazy power plants with no filters and all that kind of yeah. stuff but right. anyway yeah. i'm, I'm Be- don't get me started i'm salivating man i got drool running down my chin you're speaking my language yeah 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 i mean between china and india they're they're functioning or i'm sorry uh creating building how am I? How am I trying to state that? Yeah, they're they're putting two new coal burning plants a week in service. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, between China and India. So, I mean, yeah, just just those facts right there. And when you look at the pollution that we're faced with, that that people don't understand. You know, everyone just comes and and points the finger at the U.S. of A. When we're one of the cleanest industrialized countries in the world. But you never hear about the others that aren't, mm-hmm. you know. And unfortunately, the third world countries that are creating the majority of this pollution, they'll never care about the pollution because they're strictly trying to survive. Yeah, they're a poor country. They're burning wood. They're burning dung. They're, you know, doing whatever they can. Do. It's survival mode. They're they're not sitting there in their lazy boy at night drinking a beer watching nightly news going oh we're polluting too much we should do something about that right but there's these extremists that it it, yeah like you said where's the moderation now why can't we come to a bit of a compromise on that and what scares us is uh you know you're a native here at colorado as well as we are and colorado is starting to follow all of california's emissions requirements California stepped up and created CARB, the California Air uh, Research Board, I think it is. California Air, I think it's Research Board. Anyway, someone can correct me on that if that's not right. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, because they didn't think the federal guidelines were strict enough. So now Colorado is is following suit. And, And with the leadership we have here in Colorado, 
I mean, we're we are on the brink of big changes here. You know the mm. Do you know the latest joke in California, Al? Not to get back to a dad joke. <laughs> They're starting to say out there. I hope I hope we don't get as bad as Colorado. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. But the the thing is, though, is when when will everybody kind of wake up? Like you said, Al, it's the consumer. It's all of us that sooner or later it's just, we can't afford anything. Yeah, going to price it right out yeah. of our hands. Yep. Yeah. No doubt. I'll give you guys one more little tidbit on that. It was kind of fun. Yesterday, you know, a lot of your drivers or the guys know that uh, the quarry didn't have power from 4 a.m. to uh, 8, 8 a.m. And it's because we're on an interruptible program where they can turn our power off or, or curtail our demand, you know, for four hours. It never wow. happens at 4 o'clock in the morning. Wow. It usually happens about 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon when everybody gets home, turns their air conditioners on. Well, we talked to the XL and I said, well, yeah, we, um, we were forecasting some significant wind out east at all the, the windmill generation, and it never came. And so they, they shut down a, uh, one of their power plants, oh, wow. anticipating the wind coming, and it never came. And so then they had to, to go find the power. And that, it's a good system. It works. But, you know, it, renewable yeah. energy is great. But, again, you know. Yeah, they, how much? They do it. So they had to curtail somebody to operate. And then the, the, the snowball effect of that is, you know, I'm calling you at, at, at 4.30 in the morning saying um, – you know, we don't have power to, to, to run, so we're going to be short of inventory for four hours, you know, and then triage it. And then, you know, that eventually costs one of your drivers a load or, yep. or, the, yeah, or I mean, we've got to play catch up later, all that kind of stuff, all because of, you know, renewable energy. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the total cost of that, I mean, just, okay, your lost revenue, our lost revenue, the driver's income, I mean, that is, I can't even imagine what that costs. Right. You know, yeah, and absolutely. all because we're predicting Mother Nature. Right. I mean, I know we might be pretty good, but we, we can't can... predict a snowstorm to save our <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, right? oh, it's going to be windy. Yeah. Yeah. They should put. They should just put the windmills over at uh, Arcosa where Dale loads because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's windy there. It's always windy there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Al, well, let's jump into your interview. Uh, we usually like to start off by learning a little bit about you. If you could just give us a rundown, a bit about your family, how long you've been married, your kids, stuff like that. Oh, that's great. Well, thanks for having me, guys. This is yeah. such a cool opportunity to, to you know, spread your word, your culture, and, and you know, maybe somebody gets one of those questions answered, like, who, you know, who's running this place? <laughs> right. What's going on around here, you know? Um, we get that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> we ask each other that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind of fun. I mean, this this area here's my home turf. You know, uh-huh. I, I went to Adam City High School. Okay. You know, we used to, to roll around here, Colorado native. Uh, grew up in kind of Henderson, uh, down there off of 76 and 88, and you know, and all the farms and onion fields and gravel pits. Wow. Um, and so I'm I'm, geez, 46 years old now. It's kind of crazy. Tw- 22 years married. I got I got wow. three three kids. 17. I'll be on the road here. When he's on the road, I I don't know if he's he's all on the road sometimes <laughs> with these teenage kids. Um, you hope he is. Yeah, yeah, and a thirteen year old and a and a beautiful uh, nine year old daughter. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, I couldn't couldn't be more blessed. You know, which ones kids, healthy family? Which ones keeps your hands full the most? They you know, have? it's a moving target right now. My my seventeen year old, um, he's uh, he's Mister Know It All. Uh, <laughs> And I've I've just really blessed, got great kids. But, you know, the way I grew up and the way teenagers grew up now, it's a whole different world. (laughs) It is, Al. And I love it when, you know, my wife or even the kids will be like, 
well, didn't you do that when you were young? Nope. You know, <laughs> not even close. You know, I mean, I, d- I didn't have a cell phone until I was, you know, a couple years out of, you know, in work. I mean, I, th- I thought it was pretty cool when I had a beeper. You know? <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah. And you said 22 years married? Yeah, 22 years married. I, I always ask every time, what's yeah. the secret? Oh, uh, you know, just just patience and selflessness, mm. you know. It's nah. contagious. Nah. Um, if uh, and you got to make sure you, when you make those vows, you pick the right one too. <laughs> a lot to do it. But uh, you know, it's I, I really I'm really blessed. I married a girl from Central New York. Oh, okay. Um, and she uh, she came out here was a nanny for a year, and actually was uh, my my roommate's sister. You know, and then. He used to always give me I a married hard time. my roommate's sister yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she, uh, you know, it worked out well. But my mother-in-law is a, uh, uh, you know, just a great woman. I got, I've got the best mother-in-law. But she was pretty tough in the early years. She's, mm-hmm. she, uh, she used to look across the table and she's like, "You're a college dropout, and how are you going to support my daughter?" Oh. You know, <laughs> and uh, you're, you're in the gravel business. I mean, yeah. like she just had no, no idea. <laughs> right, what she was in for, but yeah. uh, looking out for her daughter, though, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When you say Central New York, where, where are you talking about? Uh, S- Syracuse, New oh, York. Okay, yeah. uh, you know, when I tell everybody I'm going to New York to visit family, they think New York City. Right. Um, Central New York's a beautiful place. Sure you know, is. Yeah, really Syracuse is nice. Quiet agricultural town, and and uh, yeah, you know, it's a pretty cool place. I grew up in Queens. So, oh, okay, yeah. so yeah, yeah. little little bit away from Syracuse, but. <laughs> So what does a guy like you do in your spare time? You know, just the work and soul. Um, work a lot, but what I like to do for fun is just hang out with my kids. You yeah. know, we, we do a lot of snow skiing okay. in the winter, and in the summer we do a lot of um, water skiing. Oh, nice. And it's, it's, it's pretty fun. I really enjoy the water skiing a yeah. lot. Uh, we still have the original gravel pit from, from the 1960s right there off of 88th and 76, and it's a little, little sanctuary. Uh-huh. For me and my family and, and our friends and, and folks. And so it's it's pretty cool experience to have have a water ski lake, you know, so close to town in the middle of an industrialized. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Absolutely. That's good stuff. Wow, this is bringing back a little bit of a memory. And Jim and Dave, you might remember, but when I was a driver here, you guys let me uh, borrow a truck one day uh, to help build a range for the church that I went to. Well, anyway, I'm trying to remember this guy's name, but he was friends with your family. He, he ended up being a pilot. I'm trying to remember his name. Mm. Ah, if it comes to me, I'll, I'll bring yeah. it up. But yeah. yeah, I think he might have. I can't remember the story, but he was friends with your family. He was helping you at the church. and Yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah. was on the, the safety team as well, so that's cool. Uh, you touched on it, but you said you were a high school dropout, so no college in, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, did I say high school dropout? No, I said high school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know uh, that's a that's a it's a unique story. You know, I, I mean, I've I've been, you know, it's kind of crazy. I've been an employee of Albert Fry and Sons for thirty four years. Huh. You know, so I started technically on the payroll when I was fifteen, and um, you know worked many summers before that. But graduated high school, went to the University of Colorado for one year, okay. and. Um, Right around that time, my dad was getting really sick, mm-hmm. and um, you know he ended up ended up getting into divorce around the same time, and the company was kind of in a bit of a tailspin, and you know he needed some help, and so he asked me to come work for him, mm-hmm. and so I I jumped right in uh, after one year of college, and 
um, started my leadership career at the Rocky Flats pit. And I don't know if you guys ever went there back in the day. I think Burnco's up there now. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, gotcha. But I was one of the founders of that that windy, muddy, dreary, <laughs> dreary place. I think it was like just a training ops for my dad. He, you know, he, we, we weren't, we, we did okay there, but it wasn't very successful. But I think he just, he did it to break us in. and, and uh, Break you or break you in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Was that was that part of the church ranch property? Yeah, now? is that yeah. what it was? Yeah, because I think for your dad, we placed some of the rock around the dam or the one of the lakes up there or something for a. I did when I was younger for a summer for your dad mm-hmm. or worked with you guys. Yeah. What what was the guy's name that owned that? It was what? a Charlie McKay. Yeah, Charlie, Charlie McKay. McKay. Yeah, yeah, that's who we did it for. Yeah, it was Charlie, Charlie McKay. McKay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think your dad introduced us to Charlie. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, yep. Yep. great guy. Yes. Yeah, guy. great guy. Yeah, yeah. great family. Mm-hmm. Yep. So when you did go to college, what what did you think you were going to do? You know, I, I didn't know what I what I was going to do. Uh, I just knew I had to get out of the house, go go adventure. You know, sure. meet people. You know, a lot of times you get into those environments. You know, those are your lifelong friends that you meet. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, I met my wife there. But you know, I was kind of into traveling and adventuring. You know, nice. I toured up into Alaska and, mm. and went down to New Zealand. And wow. you know, whenever I could get a chance like hey dad you mind if i take three months off he's like what you know <laughs> it was like but but he knew that you, you know you get that you, you feel that void of adventure and you learn adversity uh through travel and different languages and different foreign places and so that was kind of my college and and, and dad helped help provide that for me in the back of your head did you feel like you would end up part of the family business or yeah i think i think it it, it was kind of in my dna gotcha. you know um I don't, I don't know if we necessarily had a choice, though. Um, you know, Dad, just anything and everything he did, he did it because he wanted to pass this, this business on to the, sure. to the next generation. And, and um, you know, being a part of that and being the oldest son. And, huh. and uh, so it was, you know, I, I wanted to do it. It was cool. I mean, nice. it, you walk into these pits and you, you look around and, and it's like, wow, look at all these cool, you know, <laughs> right. tools and toys. And, and, you know, when you go to work, I mean, you see progress every day right you know and you work outside and and then the the people you know some of the characters um you know you guys remember carrie yeah you know absolutely Um, forrest and carrie just we had somebody contact us on the podcast that was he was his nephew forrest's nephew i think it was Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah, forrest yeah. yeah yeah and he's a listener yeah, yep. Yeah, the yep. driver that is a listener well, is carrie retired now yeah carrie's retired he retired i think almost 39 38 years you know this was a couple years back like in 2019 20 but you know those guys used to be our babysitters yeah we didn't have babysitters you know when when dad needed to go do something (laughs) he'd throw us in the cab of the loader you know and uh it was part of the job description for those guys but but you 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 carrie must have been one hell of a babysitter (laughs) well he he was he could be a little cranky you know um to say at least yeah yeah (laughs) but but you know just just good guys and so i you know i i fit right into that you know and and uh so Albert Fry and Sons was founded in 1962 on a family farm. Can you tell us how that came about? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of the same same place where that little water ski lake's at today. Um, my grandfather immigrated here from Switzerland, you know, sometime sometime shortly after the war, and uh, was was just a farmer, grew roses and beans and corn, and ended up on a little property and and um, pretty quickly realized that the gravel underneath the farm was worth a lot more. Than the beans he was growing, mm. and some of the first um, some of the first loads were loads that were hand shoveled by my dad and my uncle, 
into the back of pickups off the side of the bank. Wow. <laughs> and, um, you know, and then, then they started, uh, Albert Fry and Sons was incorporated in 62, right there at the at the original gravel pit you can see the picture of the sign on the website there and uh-huh. and uh, you know dad was maybe 14 15 years old at that time and then the rest is kind of history you know uh-huh. um little tiny plant there and then they they uh, ended up growing into the hazeltine site which you know jfw is really familiar with mm-hmm. back then our our biggest customer was the owens brothers family mm-hmm. and uh you know i used to load the old you know nice peterbilt white trucks you know when there was about five of them yeah you know running around and uh, as a as a loader operator and and then um you know just just kept growing we ended up in pit seven and one time there were five or six five or six plants around all of henderson and adams county huh. awesome <clears throat> yeah i first met carrie i mean i think he'd loaded me a couple of times but i went around the back of the sand pile al and got stuck and had to have Carrie pull me out, and man, he was not happy. Yeah, yeah, he was. He's like, "Here's the chain. You hook it up, and don't go here anymore." Yeah. I'm like, "Okay, okay, okay." Yeah. And I was what 21, maybe something like that, you know. Yeah. But su- super nice guy. I mean, he just was like, he's just doing his job and yeah. great at it, you know. Yeah. And then I remember going to the original property on 88 there, and there was there was still some material left um, in one of the tandems, and. Uh, Pulled on the scale and I popped the tailgate accidentally on the tandem and had to shovel <laughs> had to shovel the dirt off the scale and the and the I don't even remember who the scale lady was she was so nice she goes oh thank you so much usually you guys leave it for me to shovel <laughs> and I'm like oh my uh, god you're you yeah. know, seemed like she was like seventy then yeah. you know and yeah. so yeah have have yeah great history Al yeah so we understand you have three brothers and one sister Ben Joe Lisa and Tommy are they all part of the family business. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's a miracle, you know. <laughs> uh, we're we're third generation, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you just maybe heard the statistics of family businesses, you know, getting to the third generation. But we all get along uh, for the most part. Um, and, and my dad kind of really helped set that up. You know, he mm-hmm. steered us into different spheres of influence. We call it, you know. So gotcha. Technically, I'm I'm president and general manager or whatever you want to call it. But mm-hmm. we, you know, we're not too big on titles. But you know, Joe does a lot of the sales coordination dispatch type of stuff and then my sister's part-time she helps out with our payroll uh tommy is he's kind of been he's he's the the young one of the buck uh you know of the the group and and he runs around and he's been at the quarry with me in operations for almost you know he was up there for 10 years and and then uh for the last four years we've moved him down in the office and he's kind of understudying with joe you know learning the ropes of Mm -hmm. of uh, dispatch and sales and customer relations and then Ben kind of runs the Adams County operations and does kind of a lot of the banking insurance type of type of work. But yeah, we're all in the business every day. Gotcha. Um, you know, if is they'd be hard to replace. Um, right. You know, finding people, finding people you can trust, and mm-hmm. and right. uh, you know, it's it's a blessing to work together. Sometimes you know. We don't like the Saturday picnics all the time, you know, <laughs> uh, but but we still get together on the holidays and everybody still still cares for each other. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Good. And that, it's hard, too. Mm-hmm. You're, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what about the fourth generation? Are your kids and, like, your nieces and nephews interested, or what's that shaping up to be like? Yeah, you know, my oldest, I think he's going to be either a lawyer or a used car salesman. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he seems to be interested. Uh, my middle boy's got a, he's got a problem-solving engineering kind of 
kind of mindset, you know. Uh, and same thing with my daughter. She's very engaged in everything she does. Huh. Uh, they're the oldest of the nieces and nephews. Gotcha. Um, so there's there's a pretty big gap there mm-hmm. uh, with the kids. And then Joe's got two kids and Lisa's got two. But that's that's it for the next generation. Mm. Um, you know, some of our generation, too, some of our, our employees, you know, now, you know, Forrest Colbeck, you know, the senior – senior guy that you guys all know it you know as he retired now his son's pushing 20 plus years working oh, for okay. us oh, yeah i didn't that's know cool. that yeah. that's, that's forrest colbeck jr and now i think his boy's going to be working oh, you know, nice. at some point and <laughs> yeah and um you know it's a tough industry and a tough business you know I, I i'm not quite like my dad i mean i i tried hiring my son for once one summer and my sister's like oh you can't you know he's he's 14 years old and the occupational safety hazard MSHA says you, you can't you can't work at a mine site until you're until you're 18 i'm like you know you're not hiring miners yeah, yeah he's not a miner he's family you know and uh you know so it's uh it's a different world you know yeah. it's, it is. it's a dangerous occupation um you know so i i, I hope that they want to do it um I, I don't know if they will gotcha um, time will it, tell yeah that was kind of my question al i mean do you want to see that? I mean, you just kind of answered that. You want to see that? Is that you'd love to continue, right? I mean, like you just said, it's a hard business, right? So, yeah, I would, I, w- I would think that would be awesome to have it continue. I'd, I'd love to see it, you know. And we're trying to build structure and, and strategies and plans to, to give them the opportunity. Uh-huh. But you never know. And I, and I want it to be their choice, you know. I, I like to. I mean, it wasn't necessarily all my choice to come in <laughs> when I did, you <laughs> right. know. And, and my yoke can be a little heavy maybe because of that, but, yeah. but you know, um, I want it to be theirs. You know? Yep. Good. Yep. Very cool. Super Dave, this was your question, and it's awesome. Do you want to go ahead and ask it? Um, yeah. Uh, so you, uh, what inspired your dad, I guess, or your, or your grandfather to move from the abundant riverbed gravel deposits? I mean, you, I mean, that area of Colorado along the river there is it's literally a gold mine to move up into the mountains and buy some mountain property and start hard rock mining. Yeah, that's a great question. And and it's probably one of the coolest stories in our industry. Um, And all the credit goes to my dad. Um, You know, he, you you talk about gold mine, you know, one of the biggest questions we get at the quarry is if you find any gold up there and there's no gold at the quarry. I can confirm that. Uh, I've checked. Um, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, but dad used to always say, you know, I I mine gold. It's just a different color. Um, and, um, so, you know, in the eighties, you know, it was, there's abundant gravel everywhere. You know, you could, you could land on a farm for a reasonable price and have a couple hundred acres and the pit would be there for, 10 15 years you know and it was a good investment and and the regulation was somewhat you know easy to deal with and 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 um but he had the foresight to realize it wasn't going to last forever Mm. and he watched you know almost five companies in the 70s and 80s you know the the cooley family and the the western mobiles the flat irons companies the brandon companies all try and permit new hard rock quarries on the front range in boulder and um boulder county and jefferson county and they all spent millions of dollars in the 70s and 80s and failed, you know. North Table Mountain's best rock in the entire state of Colorado, mm. you know, and, and somebody owned the whole thing, and they couldn't get it permitted, you know. Mm, and right. so he said, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot. And he went one county to the west. So literally the, the Clear Creek County, Jefferson County, county lines right there at US 6 and 119. 
and you know started looking around on the geological maps and the transportation corridors and said that's a good site for a quarry huh. uh, the, the wallstrom quarry was permitted in 1983 um, it's really the last greenfield quarry site permitted in the front range greenfield means kind of like a virgin or undisturbed okay. quarry type place and originally it was 100 acres i still have the the deed on my wall in my office you know oh that's cool he, mm-hmm. he uh you know he, he bought it from a nice lady from california um didn't have any money you know put put a put a note on it with a deed of trust on the land and and um no hard rock experience any of that wow. and then back then in the 70s everybody thought he's crazy why would you go clear that far into clear creek county <laughs> you know it's too expensive to truck it down the down the road and you've never you've never set off a blast before in your life you know and and where are you going to find people to work and you know it's just it's just not going to work and probably for the first 10 15 years of that quarry it was a struggle mm-hmm. you know to, to make a living and, and lots of um education you know it's probably mistakes that, that he learned from and um you know so he, he got it permitted started mining and and you know now the rest is kind of history uh-huh. and uh it's 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 probably you know single-handedly the most important thing that happened to our company and our business and and it's it's hard to believe now we're actually depending on the year we're probably the you know top 50 crushed stone producer in the united states wow with one quarry wow that's amazing um, yeah that's awesome you know, huh. um, you know we we produce about um last year over the scale there was 3.9 million tons that went over the scale last year <laughs> wow. it's the biggest, biggest uh tonnage year ever huh. um you know and i think you got one of your questions too is you know how many tons have, have we extracted out of there year to date or know, life to date yeah. I, I can't answer that accurately no. um i think it's probably more somewhere in tune of 40 to 50 million tons wow um, that's crazy i like to call you know i would say fry pit six is a mecca you know when i was driving i would love going there just because you're getting in the mountains, you know, you got the canyon to come down, which I'm scared of now, but back then I'd still take it. <laughs> but, you know, you might run into some, I remember going up to the to level two one day, and I'm waiting to get loaded, and here comes this herd of bighorn sheep. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it's just so cool. And literally, I mean, there's days, if there's nobody in line, like, you know, you go run your first or second round, and you cruise in there, there's, your truck doesn't even stop. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you get it, you, you just... You could get loaded in, in 30 seconds, be in and out in less than five minutes. And right. Yeah, yeah, to me, it's just the Mecca. A modern I, marvel. I yeah, love, state of the art. Love yeah. that place. Yeah. Beautiful. So. Is there a uh, sheriff's range up over there or something? Uh, yeah, there's a um, uh, like a law enforcement training facility up there in the back. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Clear Creek County Sheriff uh, leases a little piece of ground, and they do all their, Very cool. their um, law enforcement training. One, one time uh-huh. there was a black hawk helicopter that flew over the quarry and <laughs> went over there i'm like what the heck's going on and there's guys repelling off of ropes and <laughs> <laughs> like they're you know they're taking out the bighorn sheep or something <laughs> I don't know what the heck's going on but uh yeah they they share that sometimes with the the denver swat team and lo- okay. different law enforcement agencies oh, it's a cool, cool spot because it's tucked up there sure. you know and uh, they can they can do their stuff to make sure that they're trained well and Very cool. keep the keep the, the world safe out there nice What's the uh, most produced product up there? Yeah, you guys know it better than anybody. It's <laughs> three-quarter washed yeah, rock. Yeah, yeah, 67, three-quarter washed rock, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, yeah, that's that's the big the big thing. That was, that was a big move for us uh, when we started washing rock up there. Yeah. Um, you know, back in the days, it was ready-mixed concrete, and really there weren't many people that washed 
crushed stone. Um, and we kind of took the leap and, and started washing it and then, you know, put it, put it in the bins to keep it really clean. And, and um, Ready Mix Concrete uh, came to us finally and said, you know, we want to switch all your plants or all of their plants to, right. to your wash stone, you know. I'm like, oh, my Lord, how are we going to do this, you know, and, <laughs> and just, just one, one step at a time. But those bins are pretty cool. Um, you know, that's another thing my dad did. The original asphalt bins uh, that you guys load out of, those, those came out of an old coal mine oh. in uh, Louisville, Colorado. <laughs> oh, wow. And uh, dad tore them down, brought them up there. It took them about 10 years to build. Uh, but they got them going. And, and so the whole bin concept is the same thing. We're, you know, we're 22 miles round trip further away from our competition to bring our product into the market. So how do you... How do you get cost-effective haul rates, you know, or better right. haul rates than my competition, right, guys? Right. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, uh, you know. So you got to make sure that that these freight partners are have their their max gross weight every load, and that they're loaded efficiently and quickly, yeah. uh, and that they can turn their loads really quick. Versus, you know, you we've all we've all been a part of it, you know, other other competition or other sites get loaded by the loader operator. Kerry had a bad day. Or he doesn't like you. He overloads you, right. you know. Yeah. And then you then you gotta go trim, and then you trim too much, and you're like, well, you know, I gotta go to Sterling for this load, so maybe I'm gonna go back and get the mm-hmm. two, you know the extra two thousand pounds. Right. And then he he overloads you again, and right. it's just just a vicious circle. Or you yes. don't go back and get that little bit more, and cost you money and time, you know, with the bins. There's very little of that, uh-huh. um, and so th- those those bins are pretty pioneering. And mm-hmm. again, all the credit goes to my dad. I just get a. You he's know, grow the vision of what he did. So yeah. innovative, like he's a pioneer for yeah, real. Yeah, right. That part's revolutionary because yeah. you go to Morrison, it's the same bins oh, we hauled God. out of forty years ago. They Morrison's they suck. The so worst. yeah, <laughs> a, a, pat, a pat on your back, Al, because it's it's amazing. It's you've continued to grow instead of just stayed stagnant yeah. with what. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, you know, and it it hasn't been okay with you guys. It's been awesome. Yeah. What's the most unusual request for material or application for material? Yeah, that's a good question. We we uh, one time we loaded a. It was almost it had to have been a. Twenty nine thirty ton boulder. Wow. Holy you know, one rock on a on a low wow. boy, and it's like, well, what are they going to do with that? You know, some some rich guy had a landscaper, and he literally put it in a swimming pool. And we just wanted a big boulder to jump off of. <laughs> You know, wow. you know, I'm like, wow. Hey, I guess if but, you got the money, that's cool. Hey, yeah. <laughs> and we were okay with it too. Cause those big rocks are sometimes a pain and they cost mm. a lot to, to break up. It's like, yeah, we'll load up. So we took two of the biggest loaders, pick, picked it up. The, the, the low boy backed underneath it and set it down. And, and so we do, you know, fun stuff like that. Huh. Uh, and probably the other one is, you know, every once in a while you get these, these guys that come in and this guy showed up in like a little Honda <laughs> hatchback <laughs> with um just some buckets in the back and he's like hey can i buy some gravel can you have your guys shovel it in the in the back of the in my hatchback with in, in buckets you know uh-huh. like here give me the buckets we'll fill them up yeah. you know yeah. no charge uh, just get yeah, out of here yeah. yeah yeah a lot of a lot of people you know uh, our boulder business is is um does really well a lot of people are selective on color mm-hmm. uh size you know different types of things like that you know you, you guys may um the, the drivers out there may really appreciate all those stone men that I've been quietly building in the tarping area. Have you guys uh, seen yeah. those? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, those are called a nook shooks. Huh. A nook shooks. And oh, okay. uh, when, in my travels up, up in the Northwest Territories, the natives 
set these piles of rock men up. It's not like a rock carrying like you see when you're hiking the mountains around here. Right. I mean, they're big ones, and, and, and yeah. they set them up in the tundra. And when the caribou migrate, they channel them all in, and then they harvest the weak caribou for, for their for their tribes and ah. stuff like that and so but it's a brock man i mean right. what, how does that not fit perfectly in a, <laughs> yes. in, a in a in a quarry and yeah. uh, and so that's what those little rock guys are is, oh, is, that's very cool very cool. cool yeah 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 good stuff how many loaders do you have on site at fry pit six and how many loaders does afs have total too many um <laughs> especially ones with with dpfs and, right. Yeah. right yeah we like to call that techno technology challenged yeah technologically challenged uh-huh. yeah. so we, we've got at the quarry we've got four kind of loadout loaders on the second and third level for the riprap's and bases and and kind of floater loaders that, that do different various things and um and then big the big loaders are up on the benches so there's like you know nine ten loaders mm-hmm. you know up up at the quarry company-wide it's jesus probably pushing 20 loaders but the biggest loader again is those bins you know you think (laughs) about think about good ways to minimize and impacts the environment you know and and air pollution well you know hmm you don't want to put this on all operators but you know those bins load out about two million tons of material a year with no diesel fuel Right. You know, right. No moving parts, any of that. You know, it takes a lot to get there once you start. But, you know, th- those are types of improvements that, that we like to tout. Um, yeah. One of our wheel loaders, uh, actually, I call it a Prius of wheel loaders. <laughs> um, it's not a battery operated uh, wheel loader, but it's a it's a hybrid. Wow. And instead of the traditional drivetrain where, you know, the, the engine puts it into the drivetrain and then the all the hydraulics and, and transmissions It has an engine that has a generator and then an electric motor that drives the rest of the drivetrain and so the motor is running basically at full throttle um full rpms the whole time running the generator and then the, the electric motor and so it's very efficient in fuel and then of course it's very uh, efficient with air pollution because it's you know it's running full-time it's the in diesel world you guys know better than anybody you know it's the lulls yeah, right that that are so hard on these emission controls versus if you can just run it hot and hard all the time it's actually more efficient to run it absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. is that a cat to come yeah that's a that? that's caterpillar those are the 988 k's that are up there on the okay on the loadout level it's it's amazing i, um, I know caterpillar i I feel they've got a leg up on the electric side of it because they've been running electric motors on their, I call them the wheel ends, for years with the ukes in mines and mm-hmm. stuff like that because they, they actually are more efficient. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, that was something that the government wasn't demanding those changes. Caterpillar created them because it was better. And this yep. was, you know, 20 years ago, yeah. right? Yeah. But I'm, and I'm sure this is, you know, has the technology of today, not 20 years ago, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've ran across that same thing, Al, and we've asked a couple people because they've, they've offered to retrofit some of our trucks to electric rear ends with, with like a generator, but they want to put something else on it to run the generator. And we're like, well, why can't our engine just sit there and idle or, or idle it up and run that generator all day? What kind of fuel mileage and less pollution does that create? And they're like, well, that's a good idea, but that doesn't meet the government standard of zero. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, but we just took a step from, I don't know, six miles a gallon or seven miles a gallon to, to what, 15, 20? Yeah, right. And we're running an electric motor. And we're just like you said, we're more efficient. Let's make that step and yeah. see what we can do. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever thought about owning your own trucks, Al? Delivering your own material? That's got to be a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know um we've talked about it over the years you know but it always falls into the head of you know kind of just do what you do best you know we're miners and rock crushers and you know sometimes you look at all of the different jobs that we deliver to and and you know you think well i could we could we could make more money if we delivered it to or we have more control over it but at the end of the day you know we're good miners um the, the the trucking industry and the freight partners that come out of our sites uh, is is a fascinating world for me personally. I think I think it's one of the most underrated um, parts of our industry that that people don't recognize uh, what you know freight companies like JFW do for for our sites. I mean, you guys are basically our salesman, our delivery, mm-hmm. our safety guy. You know, all tied in one. And you know, I mean, we all make a good living, but you know, I. I, I have a lot of just empathy for the industry because it's, it's not the most lucrative business, you know, and it's so competitive that, um, you know, it's, it'd be hard to compete. But I look at our partners and, and you, you know, these guys know how to do it and they make a good living mm-hmm. and they make it lucrative because they've been doing it for so long. They have history and tenure and culture. Um, I mean, I wake up in the morning and all I have to worry about is my guys behind my gate, you know, and I can control it and regulate it and good people. You know, you guys, you know, these freight guys are out on the road. You know, we talk about Bashu. He's, he's running all around now doing parts runs and stuff like that. He's got the most dangerous job on my, on my <laughs> payroll is wow. driving out on the roads. And it's the same thing with the trucks, but he's driving a little pickup. Huh. You guys are driving, you know, a fully loaded 18-wheeler at its gross weight, you know, five, six roads, 400,000 miles. You know, I, I can only imagine the, the mileage you have under your belt. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. But, you know, and then, and then you get to somebody's job site, and then you got to raise your trailer 40 feet in the air, <laughs> you know, five or six times, you know. And, like, I mean, it's, it's just wild, the, the things that are out of your control out on the, on the world. And so that's a deterrent for us, you know. Uh, at, I, I couldn't sleep at night. I don't know how you guys do it. <laughs> Sometimes you know? don't. And, we don't. <laughs> yeah. It's and, called exhaustion. Yeah. <laughs> that diesel, those diesel fumes, you know, sometimes get you right where you need to get, you know, They're wake you up in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the song yeah. said, diesel in our veins. But, you know, I mean, even the over-the-road guys, you know, people in this country have no idea what makes this world go round. Right. And, and in my mind, it starts it's with so the trucking true. industry. Yeah. And... You know these goods and services have to be delivered somewhere and it's 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 frustrating because and it's a part of our culture when when we're trying to deliver product and work with our freight partners you know we have to be competitive to deliver our product but we try and do everything on our authority to make sure that you know our our partners are making money mm-hmm. because at the end of the day if if our partner our freight partners aren't making money we're not making money and so we have to be competitive but we really pride ourselves on on trying to take care of these freight guys to the best of their ability because it's just it's so competitive and 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 it's just it's not right you know and so it's been somewhat of our culture to to try and change that at least in the aggregate world sure um it's hard you know everybody gets mad at FedEx and UPS and the and the postal service but you know they're moving product around these 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 freightways you know, it's it's not the little old mailman that's the problem. It's the concept of trying to get this stuff delivered from, you know, place to place to place, and it doesn't happen without truckers. Right. You know, yeah, and, and the condition of the roads, <laughs> the condition of the road is not because of the truck on the road. 
you know, all the big rigs, you know, damage the roads. No, it's because they haven't fixed them in 15 years. <laughs> and they need those trucks to deliver the product to fix the road. You know, it's, it's a vicious circle, and it's, it's all about interpretation. Um, you're, you're pushing politics. You're, yeah. you're about to cross that yeah. line, Al. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, Dave hates talking about the road. Yeah. So we do have one truck and trailer, and it's a little tiny trailer that we pull behind our pickup truck. <laughs> to take samples of material to the materials lab. So that's about as far as we're going for uh, you know getting into the to the to the freight industry. Do you feel it's important to have qualified drivers from your freight partners only up at Fry Pit Six? Oh, I think you know that's that's in your guys' wheelhouse. You know, I think I think qualified drivers really should apply to everybody on the road. Right. You know, yeah. and um, you know if you're qualified enough to. To drive that truck up Genesee and down the canyon, you're more than welcome at the Fry Quarry anytime. Nice. Um, and I'm sure you've seen some things, guys driving off the scale or <laughs> hitting a caisson or something like that. I mean, what is that? What kind of impact does that have on your production? If if somebody, you know, we just, <laughs> we've had accidents up there. We've been ran into. I mean, we've we've created some problems. So, what? How does that affect your day? It's it's problematic sometimes you know i've only thrown my hard hat once <laughs> um, you're kind out yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was standing at the silos there and i was you know watching the, the the material come out of the bins and watching this guy get loaded and and of course his tailgate popped and when when a guy drops the tailgate and well I, excuse me it was a belly dump oh and man. Uh, and so his belly dump pops you know so now there's 23 tons of material on the scale yeah. and i look over at the driver and he's got his head hunched over the wheel staring at a book oh you know and i was so mad at him because now it backs everything up we have to clean it all up and stuff yeah. like that that's a part of everyday business and, huh. and thankfully you know we do pretty well um with the flow and, and managing you know little issues like that um, sure. we, we don't have too much trouble uh i think you know for for your drivers out there you know i mean Frankly, there's a lot of people that got a lot of respect for JFW up there. Nice. You know, they know the systems. Um, I think really up there, it's just about being patient. You know, sometimes if you get in a queue, you know, and it's three deep and you're like, oh, this isn't going to be good. Um, you know, or sometimes in the morning when it's chaotic, when everybody's coming from the yards all to one spot on that first round. Yeah. You know, but, but the guy's got it figured out. And if you're just patient and you're aware and you're awake, you know, it's tight quarters and lots going on. Um, that's that's really what kind of, and then you know listening to what's going on the radio listening to, you know having the right making sure you know up there the radio is pretty important yes yeah. um, sure because there's there's not many wide open spaces and you know the doghouse for the bins is on the backside so you know people can't really see where you're at and and they load by the radio so like that's important to have the right equipment um the radios that, are not to interrupt you. Al, the radios our biggest challenge when we I, have a new driver. I was just going to say that, and Dave. it's more so a new driver that's new to our industry, right? Mm -hmm. Right, because a road driver, I mean, he may be more than capable of driving, getting the job done, and we can teach him to dump the trailer and whatnot. But to put him up there at that facility in that location, you're right. You need to pay a hundred percent attention to that radio because things are happening fast, and you almost, if you're a slow processor, you're you're listening like. Is he talking to me? Yeah. Is that for me? You know, and <laughs> and a Nepali's accent yeah. doesn't help either. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, so it's it, it's all good. But I mean, we take the time. Any anyone that starts here, we have a two week training program. You ride 
or train with our trainer for one week and then we put you in your truck for the second week and uh you know you follow that that trainer around and pit six is definitely our list right we make sure that driver's up there we make sure they're trained and and whatnot and they know how to navigate that that facility yeah 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 and it, it it's funny out because i know we're all in basically the same industry but yesterday when you called and said the power was out you know, some of the guys we couldn't stop. We diverted some of the guys. Mm-hmm. But our biggest word we used was, you know, and I joked with everybody yesterday, is put on your patience, patience pants, you know, and just be patient up there. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the word you use several times just now is just be patient. And then we associate that patience with speed because yep. speed kills. Just oh, slow yeah. the hell down, relax, mm-hmm. and it'll work out. And we didn't, unless you heard something, Jam, being down there, there wasn't really anything that went on yesterday morning. Yeah, we didn't I mean, hear was, anything on the radio, didn't hear any, yeah, you no, know, it was no good. chatter from dispatch. It really of, went pretty smoothly. Right. Yeah, yeah, but everybody was, you know, ho- hopefully they had patience, and it, we just worked together. So, yeah, it's that patience piece is so important. Al, you're right. Absolutely. But I got to say, when you guys hit on all cylinders up there, you rock it. Yeah. Uh, this no, was, no pun intended. Uh, no pun intended. You know, this was years ago, and I know you probably look at your numbers all the time, but it was a busy summer day. I was up there early, early, because we were busy. You know, we had all kinds of loads going everywhere. But I had, And, of course, you hold on to your tickets all day. I probably loaded at about, I don't know, 10 to 5 maybe. You guys mm-hmm. were open early. I got up there late. You stayed open late just for us. And I got up there about 4.30 that afternoon. And I had pretty close to 700 tickets between my first one and my last one wow. in one day. Wow. <laughs> Man. That's oh, impressive. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. Yep. Al, is there a way to install a drip pan or a tray <laughs> to keep the water off of trucks? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And it's been... a it's a, a tough task to, yeah. to tackle. You know, we put a thousand ton of washed rock up in the air and then we want the trucks <laughs> to drive underneath it. And, you know, water's pretty good with gravity and it comes down. And, <laughs> and um, you know, and you guys have these beautiful red trucks and that, that, that stained water just doesn't look good. I, I see it everywhere. I'm like, geez, well, I know where he's been hauling all day. <laughs> um, so we actually have some up there. And, and then the wintertime is a real big challenge too. Mm. So we can put these drains, but then they freeze over the night. And uh, yeah. So we, we've made a lot of improvements, and we've got a drain that works pretty good in the summer. We need to refine it a little bit. Um, and it's you know it's kind of a balance um, of figuring that out. We're, we're going to have you right. guys up for a field trip, and maybe you guys can give me some pointers and yeah, how we can cool. do that but you know trying to figure out how to get water out of a clamshell gate that right. you know it's not like a <laughs> you know a, a cookie maker where you can have a little cup and some rubber clamps and it stops dripping you know <laughs> right you just yeah. can't add a piece of rubber weather strip and still load <laughs> yeah you know right. tens of thousands of tons across the rubber and make it last yeah yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking a while ago al because i know you called and, and told dave that you know you hate seeing that on the trucks so i was like yeah, I wonder, except for the maintenance side of it, if you could just put a strong fan up there. Th- it just needs to be three foot that way. Yeah. Right. If, the, yeah. if it'll yes. just blow yes. it three yeah. feet that yeah. way, you know, not on the hood, yeah. we'd, we'd be good. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. funny stuff. How many acres uh, are permitted up there, and how many more acres are you trying to permit? Um, yeah, this, this is a busy month for me. Um, frankly, this is my Super Bowl. Um, we've got... The original quarry was 100 acres, mm-hmm. and in 2002, we amended that permit now to about uh, 300 acres, and that's the current quarry today. Wow. And um, 
two weeks from yesterday, Tuesday, I go before the Clear Creek County Board of County Commissioners to get approval to add another 200 uh, acres of of rock. And so everyone's like, well, why do you need that much more? And you know, over the years, we've been we've been mining and mining and mining. You know, 40 million tons is a lot of rock. <laughs> and you know, back in the 90s and the 2000s, the the specifications for product was a lot different. Mm-hmm. And um, you know what happened was is when I did that amendment in 2000, it was the same rock we were mining in the 90s. You know everything's, but uh, the specifications have changed, and so now we're having a hard time meeting uh, some of these specifications. You know for for our largest customer, Brandon. You know that's why they're they're hauling material from Fairplay mm-hmm. because that's really good quality material, and they bring it all the way down into town to do these really high spec CDOT jobs that that we can't we can't do. I can't. I've tried everything, huh. but I can't change the rock. Right. And so we've got a, a little bit of an imbalance there, and um, we're trying to permit some more high-quality material. Mm. And thankfully, we have it because my dad, again, you know, when he was growing the business, anytime a piece of property came up for sale anywhere around the quarry, he bought it. Even if it was two or three parcels past, mm. you know, he knew right. that someday he was going to get those he two in the middle. He can make connections. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Um, and so thankfully, we've got the ground. And so we're up to about... You know, there's about 3,000 acres up there now that's, oh, wow. that's under fry control. And it serves many purposes, you know, one for reserves. But the idea of having a buffer around an industrious site like that is, brilliant. is priceless. Yeah. yeah. And um, so that's kind of where we're headed. Uh, if, we nice. get this, um, if we get this permit approved in the 21st of March, you know, a couple some prayers out there for all the truckers. Man. Yep. We want to shield that place with some angels this month yeah. all the time, but Absolutely. it's pretty, pretty important to, to, to get this because if we get this, it will set the trajectory of our family for, you know, legacy business uh, yeah. where we got quality material, we've got all the buffer built, we've got all the infrastructure. You know, I, I've been building that plant equipment for the last 20 years wow. and it's finally the puzzle piece is just about, you know, complete. It's like, well, someday I'll fix that. Someday I'll fix that. Someday. Now it's, now it's kind of done. Now I get this quality rock where I can start selling to my customers, whatever they need to do their job. Uh, And 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 what do you think the odds of, of the Clear Creek County commissioners approving that are Al? I mean, we, we talk politics, right? We've, we've almost skirted politics, even though we've talked politics today, (laughs) but I mean, we know what we're facing in Adams County. I know you know what we're facing in Adams County. Is Clear Creek County a little friendlier? Have they been better? Or I mean, you know what a lot of people don't understand, and, and even I think the county commissioners don't understand, like in Adams County here in the next, I think, 30 days, they're redoing their whole fairgrounds. Well, Brandon Companies is providing all the material for free. JFW is providing all the trucking for free, and it's it's thousands of dollars of material. It's thousands in trucking. We're just doing that as gratis. We're, we're like, hey, we're friendly neighbors here. And it's not that we want something for it. The point is it's a relationship. We're a necessity. We need their assistance with, with future endeavors. And I mean, right now, I don't like to say the words, but to a degree, our businesses are under attack. 100%. By, by, by our leadership. Mm-hmm. And, and, and people, you know, my, <laughs> I'm getting off in the weeds here, but... My son went to a car show Saturday morning at Flatirons Church up in Lafayette. It's a car show, right? There's a lot of V8 gas guzzling fast cars there. After the show started 30 minutes later, 
a dozen electric cars showed up and protested the car show at the church. <laughs> wow. So, so we're living in an environment that people don't even like our cars anymore, right? We're, we're so divided far left and we're so divided far right. You know, and the protesters were only there for about 20 minutes and they knew to get their butts out of there. Because their car was going to run out of charge. <laughs> 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 well, and I think some manhandling was about to take yeah, action. Yeah, you know? yeah. So anyway, I'm, get, I'm getting off in the weeds. I don't want to change my question there. But, you know, I know as well through the years, just because of your family and your business, what you've provided for free to to schools and to, I'll say, government entities, you know, meaning Clear Creek, meaning Adams County, meaning all of those others, you've donated along the way too. And that's never to get, you know, it's my not, hand washes yours yeah, or, you know, yeah. one hand washes the other, however all that goes. It's because you're fortunate enough you can. Right? And right. it's to prove you're a good neighbor. We are a good business. We are a necessity. You know, when COVID hit, both of our businesses were essential. Right? Why is that? They need infrastructure. Yeah. It needs to continue, right? Yeah. So anyway, yeah, back to my question. I mean, do you have a good feeling? Are you, are you hopeful? Yeah, you know, with the with the good Lord's blessing, I, I think we got a good chance. Good, you know? good. And, um, you know, it's back to what you say. The, the, the trouble with today's culture is, you know, don't get me wrong. I, everybody believes in property rights, you know, and the get-off-my-lawn type of personality, <laughs> you know, is... It's somewhat tried and true, you know. We work hard for what we have, you know. This just this just wasn't given to me, and and you know, everybody's earned it. And so when somebody's trying to tell you what to do with your property or your equipment, you know, it's really hard. And um, but doing business like that, not very successful anymore. So we have to start to you know change our thinking a little bit, and that's when you start to say, well, the best way for an industry like ours is you got to get involved with the community. You got to understand yeah. what the community is saying because when people adopt your industry or your business as a part of your community, it's a lot easier for those decision makers to support whatever you're trying to do because um, the the few minority of objectors have such a loud voice in these meetings. You know, that is so well put, and it's and it's and it's just frustrating. And you know, the little old lady that, well, you know. I don't like the, the, the diesel smoke in the morning next to your shop. Well, you know, when did you move here? You know, <laughs> like, like that diesel shop's been there for 30 years and you came here 10 years ago now and now you're complaining that I want to put another bay in my shop and add more, 10 more trucks in my outdoor storage. You know, no, no, hold on. And the decision makers have to do that, but they always try and make everybody happy all the time. It's right. never going to happen. No. But if you have that arrow in your quiver that says, you know what? The school district got their brand new turf field and now 10 members of the community you know kids playing that field or you know the the mine remediation project way up in the back of the woods um you know wouldn't have got done if we wouldn't have donated the material and the water qualities better because of that donation you know all of those things they start to add up so it's a real art and you guys were you guys were uh, very gracious to give us a support letter for our project you know and we we kind of set that stuff out there and you know, you have to tell your own story, which is a bummer, especially right. the good stuff. Right. Yeah. And to offset. So in our application, we have over 200 plus support letters. Oh, oh wow. that is fantastic. And 20 objector letters. Really? The 20 objector letters are all the same letter, all signed by the same folks, you know. <laughs> and so it's... The chain. Uh, yeah. The chain letter, right? 
Yeah. So good, with 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 the blessing, I hopefully we'll get that, and yeah. and and there, there'll be a quarry for you guys to haul aggregate out of there for the next hundred years if nice. we're successful. That's with awesome. That. Nice. Um, well, our prayers or thoughts or hopes, however you want to state it, is with you because yep. we we need businesses like yours. You know, you ju- you just said that. Yeah, it's important for the future. Yeah. You guys ever do any hunting up there? Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Part of this um, uh, amendment for our permit. You know, we had the CPW up there and talking about bighorn sheep. Mm. Bighorn sheep are, you know, the hot button of the area. And, right. and so, in essence, we took a kind of a, a problem area and said, well, you can't expand the mine. It's going to ruin the bighorn sheep habitat. And we flipped this. Like, no, we're creating bighorn sheep habitat. And mm. and they're comfortable there. And, and we've documented the whole thing. And CPW came back and they said, you know, everything you guys are doing is pretty good. We, we nice. agree with that. But you don't allow hunting. Mm. Uh, for bighorn, the state mammal, you know, right. and there's only a, a few tags they, they give out in the state, but they're hard to get. But what's ironic is the few tags that they get, all the guys kind of call, <laughs> say, hey, can, we, can we hunt your land? Mm. And I said, well, you know, it's kind of a, a problem hunting inside the quarry permit boundary because <laughs> right. of yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> right. But you know, we go the extra step now when these guys call, we say, hey, you know, here, here's where they are. You know, if you get one that's on the peripheral of the mine, just let us know. Uh, we'll help you you know do your Go thing and so yeah we allowed hunting there was two two big trophy rams harvested off the quarry oh, property uh, last year oh, uh, wow. as far as other hunting you know deer and elk um there's quite there's good deer population there but my i always joke with my brothers they're they're the killers i'm the catchers uh <laughs> you know i'm more of a fisherman they're the hunters so they they hunt the deer and elk and they yeah. bring some of their their cronies up but yeah. um yeah there's there's good population Very of deer cool. up there too oh yeah. nice have uh, has your family ever discussed selling because of it's a hard bit because it's a hard business? Oh sure, you know there's my dad used to always say for every bad day there's two good days, you know. Um, I like that. And you know it's it's a tough business and and it's getting harder and harder in the consolidation. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much the consolidation. I think it's been good for the industry, but um, the regulators don't have many more people to pick on. Yeah. And that's one of the hardest parts the things i don't like doing is dealing with the regulators i mean you guys deal with it on the road every day and you know but but the amount of work and energy that gets put into compliance which is good it's don't get me wrong i'm yeah. not i'm not complaining about it but it's tiring and you and, and you just that that's hard um you know the employment and hr stuff these days you know, uh, this, this, the safety compliance is, is tough. So we struggle with all that stuff. And then the family matters, you know, I, you know, I try and keep all my customers happy all the time and all my sure. community, but trying to keep my family happy too. <laughs> right. You know, so we talk about it, but you know, right now we're, we're, um, nothing's, nothing's shaking or moving. We're trying to do some planning right now, uh, yeah. when it comes to sale, because right now we've got, we've got some family, uh, health issues <clears throat> and some secession uh, handicaps to, um, you know, in a perfect world, I'd, you know, I'm pushing 34 years. I got about, you know, a 10, 10 more year runway, five year runway. I'd start to like to hand the baton off to the next brother. Right. But you know, my next two brothers are, they're going to be retiring here pretty soon, yeah. uh, related to some health issues. And then mm. my youngest brother, Tommy. And so we, we run into some secession, you know, leadership there. We've looked at, um, employee stock option plans mm-hmm. where, you know, Maybe the best owners of this company are the employees. Sure. Um, and that really helps us retain our folks, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, it's it's a God thing. Yeah. You know, the Lord will 
bless us if we want to get this thing to the next generation he's going to give us a path to do that you know i love that and um so yeah that's that's a tough question you know because my dad's blessed us with these opportunities and the last thing i want to do is frig it up and you know i don't look at commas i look at tons of rock you know <laughs> and and i you know i'm making good living but it's stuff like this that i'm engaged you know you send me the day so i'm not going on the first one let's <laughs> let's talk about our industry and our you know if, if you sell it what am i going to do right you know watch the roses grow right yeah. you know? exactly alan. Um, tell tell the story alan it's it's a good story you know you tell about the good things just like you said you got to tell them a story and and we all have stories and it's good it's a family and hard work yeah yeah speaking of stories do you have any funny stories of how you had to learn on the fly when creating a state of the quarry like you got up there you know, I, you sent me that outline, and it's like I got t- hundreds of stories. <laughs> um, you know, the Bashu one's great. Um, you know, you guys know Tom Reynolds. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, he's the superintendent up there. He's he's pushing 40 years of service up there. Um, but we used to – I won't talk about it. You know, I used to be in youth group when I was in college, and I led a bunch of middle school kids. I think it's because I was the only one crazy enough to do it. But mm-hmm. this was back before 9-11 and the Oklahoma City bombing. And I was like, today, kids, we're going to go blow up prairie dog holes with dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like, what? I had a lot of kids come with me that day, you know. So I, so I go up to the explosive locker at the quarry and get some stuff. And, you know, I mean, technically I have a license. And there was, not, there was no laws broken, right. you know. And uh, so we go down to the farm in Boulder, and and I get like about a golf ball size of kind of like some. It's like C four, like seeing the movies. Put the little cap in there, and back then you you plug the cap into the electrical socket in the wall. So all the kids, I'm like, all right, you guys ready? Firing a hole, and plug it in, it goes poof. And they're like, oh, you don't know what you're doing. I was like, oh, yeah. So I go out there. Now I've got like a baseball side. (laughs) Plug it all in. I was like, you guys ready? Oh, yeah. Three, two. I plug it in before we even get to one. Boom. The whole house rumbles. All my roommates are like, oh, what are you doing? Kids are running. You know, I'm I'm winding up the cords as fast as possible, waiting for the law enforcement to come and and you know those were the good old days you right. know when you could do stuff like that and oh, uh, that's hilarious. you know that that was a fun story you know i remember you know when i used to load out at the quarry you know had a piece of crap wheel loader a bucket that wouldn't ever level you know a radio that was crappy you know no air conditioning dust and it was like two o'clock in the afternoon and tom's on the radio like can you just give me one more load to get that truck out of there you know whatever and he finally comes down he's like i've got a nosebleed i haven't (laughs) eaten lunch yet you know and he's like yeah why don't you take a break um and you know it's just just stories like that you know just just kind of hard work and preservation you know and 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 building that plant was a really cool accomplishment um that whole plant and that whole system up there was derived from you know, it's one of my proudest accomplishments to, to get that done. But it, everything that I've done wrong in my career and in the plants and, and stuff like that, like, you know, I'd spend hours sometimes underneath a tail pulley shoveling because the conveyor wasn't designed right. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like, right. Well, when I get to build my plant, I'm going to build everything <laughs> overkill right. and put all the right controls and measures to make sure that that conveyor doesn't leak because shoveling is, is no fun. I, I, took it on as a task and workout program but you know or when we're when we're working on crushers you know i, I burned a lot of crushers up in my time mm-hmm. and we'd spend endless hours at two o'clock in the morning trying to get them fixed so we could be running the next day and, right 
you know, now our, our crusher, we have a spare one. So we can do a swap out on a crusher in less than eight hours up there. Isn't and, that amazing? Yeah. Who'd have thought? Yeah, and all the cranes and, the, and then the technology and the automation. You know, what you guys are doing with your cameras and your trucks, we're kind of doing in the crusher world. You know, when you, when you drive around our sites, you don't see really anybody on the ground. Right. There, it's just kind of magically running, and there's really one or two guys that aren't running the plant. They're just supervising the computer that's running the plant. Mm. And so you can you can do all these different things, and it's safer, it's more economical, um, and uh, it's efficient. All those things that, that's it's pretty cool. So you know all the mistakes I've made, you, you see them, but now they're in the form of embitterments at the quarry. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Good awesome. story. You've kind of answered the rest of these questions, Linda. She did want to say thank you to to yourself, the loaders and Bashu at Pit Six. They run like a well-oiled machine. Maria and Jackie are always helpful, and we appreciate them too. So we appreciate you coming on, Al. We got some more to go through here, and uh, hopefully you James, can I give you one more uh, little tidbit that you I wanted you guys ma- to uh, you can you want. slide it in there? Uh, yes, about like what you, could you guys do? I talked about patience. But the other thing that I don't think your drivers know and you guys know at the quarry there in the, the, the wash bins, those are weigh hoppers up there. Mm-hmm. So we weigh the rock up above the hopper, mm-hmm. and then we drop it in your truck. And traditionally – for most drivers, like, well, I can't get a ticket without going over the scale. And so we have a, a printer box up there. It's called the C-Bin printer. So we know exactly what went into that truck, and it's accurate within, you know, a couple hundred pounds. Yeah. And, um, and so that material goes in there, and you're, you guys are free to go over the scale, especially to really check axles or drive across or make sure that your gross weight's in good shape. But if you know that you get 25 tons and you're under 80 and you can go, you can go to that printer box or ask the guys to print the tick in that C-bin box. Uh. And that does two things. It gets you guys out of there faster, but it also doesn't back up the house scale um, for wow, all the second-level stuff. That is good to know. I don't uh. think anyone knows that, Al. Al, is that so at some point we hit whatever the the concrete piece that holds up part of the bin system we because we cut too short is that leading up to the to that bin or or not super dave i haven't been up there and done that is that no the c printer is on the outside of the old bin. oh so where we've asked everybody to go so make the bigger turn it is a bigger turn it's on the way to the house scale you just stop and get your ticket and then drive right around the house scale. so you don't yep. even need to get on the scale oh you do can we get out of the trucks up there uh, no, you just no. drive right up to the printer box. Okay. You get yeah. your ticket there. They've printed that ticket based on what was in the weigh hopper yeah. when got you it. got loaded got it. instead of your gross vehicle weight and your tear weight and figuring all that stuff oh. out. So it's a, good, it's a good balance. It's a good tool to have. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's nobody on the house scale and, and you want to you wanna roll through there, it's good for our customers too because a lot of material, sometimes maybe you don't get compensated enough because your tear weights, you're heavy that day or light that day. So the customer either got a little less material or a little more material right. depending on on the tear weights so when you weigh it in the form of this weigh hopper you know Japan it's exact, accurate it's, exactly it's absolutely it. and, it, right. and it's legal it's it's based on the material not our tear weights yes yeah yeah that makes sense and so it's a really good system and it really helped us out because lately there's been a strong demand for second level products and so all those trucks have to go over the the house oh, yeah. scale and so when you guys come in especially in the morning you know, once they, they get comfortable with that printer box, there's no reason why they can't just go there and ask for their print in, their ticket out of C-bin box instead of going to the house scale because, awesome. you know, they're all going to the house scale and then everybody from the second level is coming in and it creates a pretty good backup. Right. right. And obviously we don't do that because we just don't know about it, right, Al? We, we haven't been doing that or does do the guys know about it? I think I mean, it's a you- creature of habit. 
you know okay. Uh, okay. maybe yeah. some of the guys know them some of them don't but but that'd be something you guys could talk about Absolutely. they're free to use that all the time yeah no, it, we we can fix that in a heartbeat Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. guys will love that yeah 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 Al, are you okay on time? Are you going to be yeah, able to stick good. around? Yeah, great. If you guys want me to stick around, whatever, whatever. Yeah, no, would you? Would you? Yeah, 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 yeah I'd love please. that. All right, moving on to the safety topics of the week. First one is contaminated material. Did Jim? I think that one was yours. You want to talk on that? Yeah, just revisiting it. You know, I know several episodes ago we talked about uh, same things we've talked about for years and years, and this is one of them: the contaminated materials. You know, you got to jump in that truck and you got to clean it up. And I know, I think it was last week. Maybe we didn't have much snow last week, but we did a lot of salt and it's the biggest thing to deliver salt to, you know, a concrete plant in the load or deliver rock inside the, you know, with the salt and all that kind of stuff. And then, and then what we did have happen a few weeks ago is, you know, everybody knows we haul Coors, right? And the, it's probably, I don't want to give anybody an out, but it's probably not important as important as your totally spotless to load the grain but you can't load rock or sand or any other product if you're full of grain and we had a load where we didn't get swept out from coors and we hauled a load of salt and squeegee down to one of the sheds and we dumped it out and the shed guy goes i don't want that right what's that what's that i mean he didn't order grain from coors (laughs) he ordered salt and squeegee and and we didn't clean out and i and i know we've come through a tough time of year the frozen loads the the temperatures we've had all that kind of stuff but we just you know part of my final thoughts is is doing your job and and and, and taking responsibility um you know later on hopefully we'll talk about it but it's it goes along with some of that stuff about hauling overweight you know and i, I know we'll touch on that here but yeah you guys you have to clean out the loads you have to it's a pride thing you know, and, and, and Al just mentioned it. He said, you know, we're the salesman. We see their customer last. We do all that stuff. And, and as a salesman, he loaded you with clean material. And you took contaminated material to his customer. And that, that's, that's a pride thing. That's responsibility. That's, that's doing your job, you know. I mean, how many times do we talk about it, Jim, that we've went out to – to give you the best opportunity here to be financially successful, we're seasonal. We slow down in the winter. We've went out and we've tried to find more salt hauls, more squeegee work, you know, all of these other things that that continue through the winter to keep our fleet busy. So you are successful as well as we are, but we're only successful if you are doing your job. We've went out and done ours. Now it's the chain is on the next link. You need to do your part. Dispatch needs to do their part. The wash bay and the mechanics are doing their part. I mean, our chain is is 50 links long, but we all need to do our part. You know, and we, we, we joke about, we, we love to talk about Bill Belichick here, Al. We're not a fan, but his, his favorite phrase is, do your job. That's all he wants. He is thrilled if you do your job. And it, it sounds kind of harsh, but it's the fact. If, if Bashu was up there and he made mistake after mistake after mistake, you'd be like, Bashu, listen, we need to talk. There's... This isn't working the way it's going, right? I mean, once in a while, everything happens, right? Everybody has a bad day. That, that's, that's how life is. But yeah, I mean, we need to be clean. Those trailers need to be cleaned out. We've provided a broom. We've provided a shovel. There's now a ladder. There's not steps. There's a ladder on the side of the truck to climb in on the side of the trailer. You know I mean? Again, we're, we've done everything in our part. And I don't want to say it's not our fault, right? But to a degree, it's kind of not. We need you to do your job 
and and get in there and clean it out. And it's not like you're shoveling dirt from under or rock from under a conveyor like Al's talking about. And there's this, you know, thousand pounds or two thousand pounds or five thousand pounds of rock you're shoveling. You just need to break the loose stuff off the nose of the trailer and sweep it out. It just needs to be clean. We're we're not talking hours of labor here. We're talking a five-minute quick cleanup, and, and you're good to go. And we've provided that service then. We've done all we can do. You've done a great job. That customer's thrilled. You know, you delivered that load of salt. It's spotless clean, and off we go to the next job. So it's critical. It's critical in what we do for contaminated material. Yeah. I think a lot of it is paying attention to the now because so many times we talk about these guys that are thinking about the next load. Right. Oh, well, i got to run up to Fort Lupton and get that load of uh, concrete sand for plant 12 and it's like wait a minute you need to sweep out the salt from this load first right yeah i mean i i'll roll right into it because one of the things i was just hit with this morning you know we've we've got a handful of trucks down because of the treatment systems that we're fighting so we've got drivers in different trucks that that's not their assigned truck and you know we just had a driver mention this morning hey he got there and fired up the truck and doing his walk around the gates weren't left open you know, and what, what we do, Al, this time of year, we have a switch. We open up the latches on the tailgate. We pull the tailgate to the outside, and we close the latch and let the tailgate sit on the outside of the dogs. The reason we do that is we have a rubber seal. So if we get any weather that the moisture runs down the liner of the trailer, gets to that rubber seal, and then the gate is frozen to the, to the trailer. And when we dump, it tears the seal open. Well, then the next thing you know, we're driving down the road, and we're breaking windshields. Mm-hmm. We've tried that. It doesn't work well. It's pretty expensive, and it gives us a bad look, right? Yeah. I mean, we've done everything in our power. We don't have spreader lips on the back of our tailgates. Our tailgates, when they open, that material falls straight to the ground. We've taken and moved our taillights from that area up to our tailgates, so they're never in the material. I mean, we've we've designed, just like you're talking about with your plant, we've we've tried to design and that Here's trailer. all the mistakes. Yeah. How can yeah, we let's make that? it better. How come every trailer manufacturer puts their lights in the way of the material. We're like, that's silly. Move yeah. it to the tailgate, right? <laughs> We're the only ones that do that. So anyway, yeah, we've we've there's all these protocols. So at night, you know, please put your tailgate on the outside of the dogs or the latches. So that rubber seal is protected. You're good to go. You're prepared for the next morning. But here's the next key point. We've on the other side of the the uh, street We've had drivers leave here, and they're leaving with their gate on the wrong side of the dogs. They didn't do their pre-trip and walk around. If, if you are leaving any yard and your tailgate is on the outside of your dogs, you did not do your pre-trip. You did not do it. It's impossible to walk around that trailer and look and see that tailgate is on the wrong side. So just, yeah, it, our job is, is relatively easy. We have so many drivers here that are so amazing and do such a phenomenal job. And we talk about it all the time. We, we're, you know, we want to train. We try and educate. You know, and when we have things like this happen, we sit down as a leadership team and go, well, we failed. What, what do we need to change? How do we, how do we need to drive these points home? You know, how, do we, how do we change our, our training? What, what are we missing? You know, and it's evolution, right? And, and Al, you, know, you were talking about when you design the next plant or whatnot. And, and you know, we, it, you've just kind of touched on it because we asked you about selling or anything like that. And you said, what would you do for myself? I can't speak for Jim, but this business is a journey. And I'm not ready for the destination, right? 
The, the fun part of this business is the journey. It's the people we get to know. It's the lives we touch. It's the, the businesses we get to work for and the companies and you know the facilities like yourself and the, the, all of the things. It's the destination, it's not the journey. And I wanna have the best destination there is, right? But that's what, that's what fulfills me. It, it excites me. You know, we always, we talk about just making things better. You know, we want a better truck. We want a better trailer. We want a better customer. We want a better experience. We want to, you know, more financial freedom for our employees. We, everything is just that, it's that journey. It's the next, it's the next step, right? How do, how are we better? How are we better at everything? Well, you as a human being get better by doing certain things that are required, right? You, you know, your water's gonna be shut off if you don't pay your water bill. I bet you pay your water bill, right? <laughs> so we know we need to deliver clean material. We need to sweep right. that trailer out. So, sorry, but, I'm back on my soapbox but it, again. But in 90% of the time, you can probably get away with delivering a, a contaminated load, you know? And there's, it's like putting the shopping cart away. There's no, there's no real problem with you delivering it, except you just didn't do your very best. Right. And it wasn't done the right way. You know, that's, that's, that's the problem with that, Dave. You know, and if we have somebody and we find out we we lose you lose your safety bonus, or 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 maybe it's some of Al's material, and the and the guy on the job goes, oh, there's that, you know, it's got shit in it again. You know, hopefully he's blaming us if it's from us, right? You know what I mean? But there's just that it's not the best. He didn't get the best material, and he didn't get the best service right. from us, right? You know, and. and as we're going down your, the list, your here, decisions affected JFW. Your decisions affected Albert Fry and Son and his whole family. Yeah, absolutely. Right. right. There's only one way to do a job, and that's the right way. Right. You yeah. Do it the right way. Yeah. Yeah. It, it leads you into the the next one, the gross weights here, and and we have all sorts of little different rules for gross weights and what we do and and stuff like that. But but Dave talks about giving you the correct tools to to load your truck. And, and lately we've had the experience at Coors that, you know, oh, I've heard that the material's wet and I've heard it's dry and uh, all these excuses, but we're hauling loads out of there 90,000 plus right down the interstate. That's just wrong. You know, have we gotten away with it? Does it make the driver a tiny bit more money when it's all said and done? Sure, but it's not the right thing. You have gauges in your truck because the thing is, is, we have other drivers that don't ever do that, run Coors all the time, they don't have a bit of problem. And yet then we have this certain select group of drivers that it seems to be okay. You know, at one point I was even blamed for it because somebody come up and said, hey, I'm, I'm overweight and all I did was laugh and say, where are you gonna trim it? I laughed at the situation that we ended up in that. Right. Because it shouldn't happen. That's the funny thing of it. How did you get there? You have gauges on your truck. And yes, we can't trim it. It's not like going to pit six and going across the street and trim it. You can't just drop. Or asking where to trim it or anything like that. Yeah, you can't drop There's, grain. When, and Yeah, once we're loaded at Coors out, we're loaded. Yeah, you're, <laughs> There's no backing up. <laughs> but you yeah. sit on a level area and, the, and it takes roughly 14 minutes. Isn't that about it, Dave, to load you? 14, yep. And we have gauges on the trucks. And trailers. And trailers that will slowly add up and tell you within... I don't know. Chris Beam's good at it. He can probably get it within a thousand pounds. Yeah. Absolutely. But you know when you're at eighty-five thousand, you don't need to haul out of there at ninety thousand. Yeah, yeah, you know when you're at you eighty thousand. Yeah, and you want to talk about putting things at risk, taking a load down the highway, the yes. interstate at ninety thousand, you're risking one hundred fifty families. 
Yeah, JFW. Yeah, Jim. And you, know, you, you have the big one, and you're ninety thousand minute interstate. I mean, we we might as well all just go look for another job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a possibility we could lose that contract. Oh, yeah. if if I mean, you know that, depending on what backlash that would be, we don't know. Sure, right? But we're we didn't train you to do that. Nope. We've never asked you to do it. We've asked you not to do it. Here, and, here's here's where you need to pony up and do the job right. And by the way, our highest paid drivers do the job the right way. Absolutely, yeah. you know. So yeah. highest yeah. earning drivers. Yeah. Yes. And there is our heavyweight permit, but those they're not for the interstate. Absolutely. You know, they're not allowed in the canyon anymore. You know, that that's that's a that's a specific permit for doing the job a specific way. And then we have people that are not doing it that way either. Right. You know, and the thing is is if if I have the story correct or I, I know enough about it, that permit was created and lobbied by the milk haulers. To haul milk. It had nothing to do with gravel hauling. <laughs> right. And we were able to adopt it for ourselves. It was a sure. default win. Yep. And, and, and we pushed those, you know. And, yeah. and we've talked about it tons and tons. Yeah. We've lightened our trailers and trucks up. Was that a pun on the tons and tons? Tons and tons, right? <laughs> uh, to, to help the driver and ourselves and, you know, Al's customers and stuff like that to make more money, right? Mm -hmm. But as they get lighter, we've talked to you guys about it, that they become a little bit light duty. And we don't allow over a certain amount. 92,000. 92,000 because it damages the trucks. Mm -hmm. You know, and Al touched along our wonderful roads, Al. You know, at, at 90,000 plus, we're beating the shit out of our trucks because they weren't made to haul that as such. And so, yeah, it's our, our trucks weren't. Our trucks there weren't. There are trucks no. out there that are, but oh, yeah. our trucks weren't. Yeah. They weren't designed. Yeah, they're to not a low boy way. truck. No. Right? So, yeah, you guys. So, we're, I guess, in a roundabout way, we're. Without having to go pull heavyweight permits, take away safety bonuses, do all that kind of stuff, we're reminding you guys to do your job and do it and do it correctly and have some pride in not going down the interstate at ninety thousand pounds. You know that's that that it just doesn't work. And and Jam said it too. You're taking you're risking lives, yep. right? And and in today's society, if a lawyer gets a hold of that. They will get a hold of everything JFW has and everything you have. Yep. It will happen. Absolutely. Yep. yep. Massive liability. <clears throat> hey, I, it's not written down here, but I threw it down just because uh, late yesterday afternoon, and we we haven't we we have a whole outreach program that we haven't finished developing yet. But I've brought it up several times before. Uh, we had our first right hand lane change accident yesterday of the year. Mm. Last year we had four. And we're, we're we're committed to a program. We've got some things right. that were that were going to be coming out. And and uh, Ann was off Monday at our steering committee meeting. She's kind of the one heading that up. But uh, you guys, we've we've added blind spotter to the truck. We have six flashing turn signals. Uh, we have mirrors on the hoods. We have mirrors at the top of the door. We have mirrors on the edge of the door. We have windows in the doors. We have everything. We've given every single. Tool. Yeah, sloped hoods. Yep. Every single tool there is for right lane, right turn lane changes. I don't know how else to, to say it. Right hand lane changes. Right hand lane changes. Yep. And we had an accident yesterday. Thank goodness there were no injuries. I, I haven't gotten the information. I would guess we were ticketed. Yep. So we were ticketed. The driver was ticketed. 
Yeah. And again, luckily, knock on wood, no injuries. Yeah. We, you know, we've had a handful of those accidents yeah. over the years where we've spun the car out. Yeah. We've done, we call it the pit maneuver. Yeah, it wasn't a full pit maneuver. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, but that car shook. Oh, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it was, yeah, I bet it was that, close. I bet that person driving that car, yeah. they, they needed an free. underwear change, <laughs> yep. you know, when they got to their destination. And they about got to their destination. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? We've had final, a few of those accidents where, where, yeah, it's it's scary. So, I just I can't emphasize it enough. You have to look. You have to be proactive. You know the the program we're about to introduce about that turn signal needs to be on at least six flashes before you change lanes. You need to know what what car is next to you before you've done it. What car was coming by you? You just need to be so aware of everything in that truck and that almighty blind spot. It is that right front corner of that truck. You, you you have to put air in your seat. You have to look up over that edge. You have to look in front of you. You have to look next to you, behind you. Everything about it, that right-hand lane change, it's it's going to be the devil of us. It, it's just, it's getting us. I mean, there's our there's our first bite of the year. And, and you know, I mean, I, I said it. We're, we're in the middle. We've spent 60 days working on this program. We got to get it out there. I mean, I, we don't want one more accident this year. We have to commit to it, and we have to get better. Yeah, and, and the video is so telling of what went on because, for one, the, the car that was hit, you could see it in the driver's mirror during the video that it was beside him, yep. and he missed it. It got to the front of the truck. He looked several times out his mirror beside him, but never looked forward. That blind spot. Never looked over in that blind spot. Never right. never leaned up to double check, and that's what we're talking about. That six blinks, at least six blinks, Gives you the time to look everywhere, over the hood, down the trailer, to do all that stuff. And then I want to mention too that that just before that, because the video we you know we play whatever thirty seconds before and thirty seconds after, the driver was upset at a car that changed lanes in front of him, and and seemed to be concentrating on that that situation. That's the reason he started yes. to get over. And luckily, it wasn't a quick lane change. It right, wasn't that was. Probably one of the few things we did correct at the moment is we were easing into that lane. Yeah, it saved those, from spinning the car out. Right, where those pit maneuvers happen is we take that lane aggressively. Yep. And and yep. thank goodness this driver didn't do, didn't do that. Now we you know we need to take this teaching opportunity and and teach him a better way to do that. But it's back to doing your job. We all know that's a blind spot. We all need to educate ourselves. This isn't a this isn't a rookie driver. He's had his license for six years. And, and we need to take this opportunity to educate. But this is the, what the podcast is about. We need to educate everyone. We need everyone thinking of that. You know, and it's, it's back. Bill Belichick, do your job. Yeah, it's, you know? a, it's, a, it's a pride thing, Dave, too. Or, a, or a, It's not really a pride thing. It's, it's being really good at your job, I guess. Because it's like if you drive a truck, a tractor and trailer, you got to be good at backing up. Or hopefully you get that way. Right, you know, and and when you back into a pile perfect or a bend perfect or whatever, that's a skill. You feel good about that, you know. For years, Dave, we, you know, Super Dave or all Dave Jam, all of us, you know, we talk about, you know, oh, I missed the bend or I didn't get back up right. I, I didn't, I didn't open a six pack or I need a six pack of my backup. Yeah, you know, to be able to get in the bend. Didn't bring my can of backup. With yeah, me, can of backup, right? <laughs> but it's like changing a lane. It's the same pride. As okay, I have this huge truck. Can I get it in the next lane without hitting anything? Yes. Right. I mean, you're, you're spot on. I mean, it, it's a. Can I do that? Yes. No, we can't. Yes. Four times last year, we couldn't. 
one time this year right. we couldn't already right and and it, and it leads to you know that public appearance you know the the no matter how political you want to get it's how people look at our our trucks our, our industry, people yeah. our our brethren we're and our sisters we're unsafe why are we unsafe cuz we're because not. we're unsafe yeah. we just had an accident exactly absolutely exactly. that's where we need to be better yep yep Moving on to uh, tips and tricks from Ray Davis. He wants to talk about line of care. Line of care, we have it pretty nice for the last year. <laughs> I think Jam wants to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to move it along a little bit. We, we you don't want keep, us to preach. That you stopped us. <laughs> we can keep going. I've been complimented for moving the podcast along, and I've taken that. You do that, a great job. I've yes. taken that job seriously. Good job. Good job. Yeah. yeah. But those are all great points about lane changes, no doubt. <laughs> I can't. I can't wait for the. I mean, you can see I got all my bracelets on now because we're coming out with our own safety bracelet, right. yep. and it's inspired me to wear my other ones. Yeah. So. Right. Yep, that's coming out pretty quick. So I think we're just waiting on the bracelets. And yes, we're gonna push yeah, out, that's it. That's we'll push we're out our safety campaign. And it's called Safety Has No Blind Spot. So here we there go. There you go. Yep. But tips and tricks from Ray Davis. Liner care. We have had it pretty nice for the last year with the new trailers and liners, but we need to do our part in keeping the liners in good shape. Sweeping your liner and keeping the Z-strip clean on the rocks daily will keep your liner in good shape. You can use a screwdriver to get them rocks unstuck in your Z-strip. And it's important to also get that material that is under the liner at the end of the trailer. If you leave that material under there, it will work its way down further down the liner and make holes. I remember when I first started here, I had a liner with a big hole and it took forever to clean out my trailer and I couldn't do salt to golf sand because I couldn't get it completely clean. So it limited me on the things I could do. We have new tools that can fix the holes right away. It's important that if you have a hole, you write it up right away. A small fix is better than a big fix. Once a hole has started, it can be huge, a huge hole in weeks. Don't take it for granted and just think it's okay to leave it. Be better, set the bihar, and keep them trailer liners clean. Hope you all, hope all is well with everyone. Much love and respect always. Ray Ray 0012. Great points, Ray Ray. Great points. <clears throat> yeah, well well put. Yeah. I mean, he, he is spot on. The one thing I want to add at the end of your day, if you want to get that liner cleaned out, and this is something Super Dave told me back in the day, you know, when your trailer is all the way up in the air, your tailgate weighs virtually nothing, right? Because yeah. it's on a hinge and, and it's standing up. Yeah. You could put yourself between the gate and your trailer and get a broom or something if your liner's loose and shake all that material out of that liner. That's one of the best things you could do from keeping material from Absolutely. building up yeah, in there. Yeah, so. yeah. and I know we've told the story, but, you know, like Ed Ritter, you know, he, he used to love doing the golf loads and, and he'd say, Mr. Wallet's talking to him and he kept the, he's, he's the one that's probably got the most years out of that liner, but it, but he knew it stopped him from doing the, the specialty loads and getting his loads. I mean, he, he recognized that and he was awesome at it. So yep. raise, raise right on. Yep. Do you guys want to do our new segment from Linda, the yeah. Dave, Rams, Dave, yeah. Dave Ramsey stuff? Yeah, she, good. yeah, she's got some good points yep. in here. I, I, like, I like the one here. Yeah, it won't take very long. So Dave Ramsey Finance Tips brought to you by Linda Frazier. First of all, Linda's donated 10 books. Uh, what was the name of the book? Uh, Financial Peace University or... Financial Freedom, right? Financial Freedom. Yeah. Anyway, the books are downstairs. This book is designed to help you get out of debt. Dave Ramsey's... Uh, a Christian finance guy, he's helped, 
I mean, I want to say tens of thousands, if not more people, oh, I'd say hundreds, hundreds of thousands, yeah. millions of people get out of debt, right? Absolutely. So the books are in. I know big countries got one. Alonzo and Veronica took one home yesterday. So Linda has donated these books. Just come in. There's a couple in the driver's room, and we have them in the dispatch office as well. So first, it starts with a quote. When you tell your money where to go, you will be amazed at where you, at what you can do, Right. And the book starts off with baby steps. Baby step number one is start a $1,000 emergency fund, okay? This money is a set aside for real emergencies. Example, car repairs, replace a water heater, dentist visit for a broken tooth. Not you ran out of beer and you need to get more, okay? <laughs> Some of you may say, well, $1,000 isn't very much money for an emergency fund. I mean... You can't get a water heater for a thousand dollars anymore, I don't think, or a car repair. Not installed. Not, Not installed, installed, right? Yeah. So, but that's a good it's place a to start. It's right? a baby step. Yeah. It's a baby step. You know, you'll come back to that emergency fund later in the program and build that sucker up to you know three months of income yeah. or something like that. Okay. Once you have the thousand dollar emergency emergency fund, you will be surprised how much less stressful money becomes. Then you could start your debt snowball and start paying your debt down. Did you know that direct deposit, excuse me, did you know you can direct deposit part of your JFW paycheck into a savings account? It's a great way to save without even trying. If it goes directly to your savings account, you won't see it or miss it. If you send $100 per cha- paycheck per, to your savings account, you will have your emergency fund before June 1st. Think you, can do 100, think you can't do 100 per paycheck? I challenge you to try it for a month. Start a family budget. So Linda's challenging you to start to save four hundred bucks in one month, okay, and then a thousand by June first. That's awesome. Okay, and yeah. that's just a hundred per paycheck. Yeah, absolutely. I want to mention. I, I don't know if it's in the Dave, Dave Ramsey, but we ran across this the other day. Also, for some of you guys, for younger kids, and and I'd love to do some more checking. You can start a four hundred one k for your kids, and it and it's got a word at the end of it. One, what kind it is, but. To a certain age, it's also tax-free for them. Nice. And so, it, and it hardly takes anything. Yep. And that, that sets your, you know, your kids up and it becomes theirs. But it's something right. you can participate in and, and teach your kids. Absolutely. So, like to check more into that. Fantastic. All right. Questions from the audience. First question, has JFW ever thought about going union? And this driver wanted to remain anonymous. <laughs> Well, there, there's a lot of history there, Jam. Um, I, I can I can kind of touch on the short part of it. We were a union at one time. Very proud of that. My grandfather, uh, both mine and Dave's uncle and family, and um, you know it was it was a pride thing. That's what you belonged to as a union. Huh. Um, I believe when I don't remember was it Uncle Paul or, or Grandpa? Probably Uncle Paul when he was killed. Probably. Anyway. We tried to get some death benefits out of the union. He was killed in a car crash abruptly, yeah. and the union wouldn't help us out, mm. wouldn't wouldn't do anything, and there ended up being a lawsuit and stuff over it. Mm. So wow. at this point with history, no, Jam, there's, yep. there's, a, there's a rough feeling there. Sure. When you take pride in something for so many years, you pay into it, and, and when, you're, when you're hurting, they don't help. no help. Mm. So there's a, there's a family rub there that's, old old right. and you know I, there's I also think, i mean there's also i mean there's many stories but yeah more so the one that sticks in my mind jim is the one about the driver in the engine the, the right. three engines right, right? Yeah. i mean 
yeah, we, we had a driver that, that blew up an engine. And when it blew up the first time, you know, after investigation, it was like, well, listen, you over revved this engine, right. you know, back before the stuff we have today. Sure. Very easy to do. Right. And he's like, oh, no, I didn't do that. Well, we rebuilt the engine and put the driver back in it and it blew up the second time. Well, grandpa or dad or Uncle Paul fired the driver. I mean, we, we can't have blown engines every week. Right. It just right. not not very prosperous. Right. And uh, the union made us rehire that guy. <laughs> wow. And wow. we're like, oh, my gosh, this is ridiculous. The third engine, when it blew, we were done with the union. I mean, mm-hmm. on top of the... Yeah, the, yeah there was several... It was just like just, there was just enough and enough and enough. Right. You know, and I mean, so the union would rather jeopardize the livelihoods of all the other families in the right. company to protect, protect this one guy that was a bad apple. Right. That's that's Makes not sense. innovation. That's not protection. That's yep. not... It doesn't even make sense. So better than belonging to a union, you could belong to the JFW family. There you go. Yeah, mm. we yeah we try our best to do the the right <laughs> yeah. thing, Jim. Yeah. Al, are you guys union up there? No, no, not union. Okay, but so that's it's... a great saying, man. That's <laughs> you know, well, isn't it uh, one family, one name, or <laughs> yeah? Is what's yeah. your guys' uh, we, t- we, yeah, we have no, a creed together. Yeah, we just together. have together, together yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, yeah, together we are a family. So, same driver asked, "Have you ever thought about playing the national anthem for intro music?" I think we answered that question at the beginning <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> the new intro music. Yeah, yeah, I told the driver, "I was like, oh, I, c- I said I can't wait to answer this question for you." He's like, "Well, I think it'll be pretty cool." I'm like, "Just wait." <laughs> so, yeah, because the anthem is now a dedication to them. Yeah. It's, know, a D- yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's a tribute. Yeah, it really is. It's a tribute. Yeah. You know, yeah. I got diesel yeah. in her veins and and yeah. stuff. Dave did a great job writing it. So <laughs> yeah, and the and the gentleman that sang it did a great yeah. job. Yeah, you know, because yeah. hey, just a little shout out for that that company. That is a, a business called Song Glorious, like mm-hmm. Song Glorious, right? right? It's it's song and it's glorious. But anyway, uh, I I didn't know anything about it, and I just I started looking for an artist that we could hire here locally and, it was a and, struggle. and sing the song. Yeah, and it was we, uh, there was some pain in it. I mean, it was probably <laughs> yeah, a 60. The first few takes were not very good. Right, no. yeah, <laughs> and it was probably a 60-day process, right? And when I stumbled upon this song, Glorious, it has been on Shark Tank as uh, you know a company to invest in and stuff. And I guess my shout-out to him is anyone can just write down some words on paper mm-hmm. and send it in. You can choose an artist. Right. You just get on their website you choose an artist for whatever genre, right? Yeah. You first you pick a genre, whether you want country, rock, pop, rap, art, whatever. You pick your genre, it gives you a list of artists, you contact that artist and you send them. Yeah. All you have to do is write down words and yeah. I, you know, it was funny when I picked this artist, I was able to listen to three other songs that he had done and I'm like, "Ah, oh, this is this, this is, is our guy. guy." You know, and it, it was just so cool and what I'm leading up to is what a special gift to give your wife or your spouse or been, your kids been, or whatever. You know what I mean? So I encourage anyone, yeah. hey, write down some words. You don't have to write a song. I mean, th- what he's saying is truly what I wrote. Right. I mean, he added like, I think there was uh, one one sentence and he was able to complete a paragraph for me that I was struggling with and I loved it. You know huh. what I mean? It was he he tagged what, what I asked for, but everything in there else that was how I wrote it. That was exactly what I was looking for. You mentioned, you know, send one in for your wife or something. Have you have you watched the videos, Dave? 
of guys the, oh, their, their wives will get in a car and they just play yes. the song they made and they have no yes. idea and then all of a sudden the wife's like <laughs> yes. crying right. just like yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's special man yeah. that's so awesome it's, I mean I think that's something because that's a gift that would last a lifetime forever right yeah. I mean, more you, than you one life you could have that as a family forever you Absolutely. could do a family song you yep. could do you know all sorts of stuff I'm it, gonna it, do a fight it, song it's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's pretty cool and really it wasn't that expensive 250 bucks yeah, that's not I mean when you when you look at what you spend in roses or cards or some other gifts I mean, right. how, how much did you spend on the other artists? I um, think it was the same. I think it yeah. was 300 when it was all done because we tried to do a couple takes. And you yeah. didn't get a song. Yeah, no. right. exactly. Well, so. we got one, just not, <laughs> not the one that we're going to use. <laughs> it wouldn't have been an anthem. It would have been something else. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Soup, you want to hit us with the High Road Holland? I can do that. So we started doing these High, high Road Hollands a long time ago, and mainly they were not meant to be about trucking they were just meant to be motivational or common experiences that people uh have questioned and things like that and uh this popped up uh earlier this week that i kind of keyed on it because everybody has to deal with this topic um from time to time and it is a part of life so uh this week's high road holland is about coping with grief and loss Mm. There are many types of loss, and grief is a natural response to that. There is no right or wrong way to grieve, but by understanding the types and stages of grief, you can find healthier ways to cope. What is grief? Well, grief is a natural reaction to loss. It is an emotional suffering you feel when something or someone you love is taken away. It can be overwhelming to the point you feel you're helpless. Grief can trigger numerous other emotions like shock or anger, disbelief, guilt, and sadness. The pain of grief can also change your physical health. It can make it difficult to sleep or eat or even think straight. And this is normal. The more significant the loss, the more intense your grief will be. Coping with the loss of someone or something you love is one of life's biggest challenges. But any loss can cause grief, including a divorce or relationship loss or loss of health, losing a job, loss of financial stability, a miscarriage, retirement, death of a pet, or a loved one's illness. Even a subtle loss can uh, trigger a sense of grief. For example, you might grieve after moving away from home or graduating from college or changing jobs. Whatever your loss, it's personal to you. So don't feel ashamed about how you feel or believe it's somehow only appropriate to grieve for certain things. If the person, if the person, animal, relationship, or situation was significant to you, it's normal to grieve your loss, the loss you're experiencing. Whatever the cause of your grief, though, there are healthy ways to cope with that pain and in time that can ease your sadness and help you come to terms with your loss find a new meaning, and eventually move on with your life. So inevitably, the grieving process takes time and healing takes time, but there are many misconceptions, and here are some myths and facts about grieving. So myth, the pain will go away faster if you ignore it. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Fact, trying to ignore your pain will keep it from surfacing or trying to keep it from surfacing will only make it worse. You need to face your grief and actively deal with it. Myth, it's important to be strong in the face of a loss. Fact, feeling sad, frightened, or lonely is a normal reaction. Crying doesn't mean you are weak. You don't need to protect your family or friends by putting on a front. 
Showing your true feelings can help them and you. Myth. If you don't cry, it means you aren't sorry about the loss. Fact. Crying is a normal response to sadness, but not the only one. Those who don't cry may feel the pain just as deeply as others. They just simply have other ways of showing it. Myth. Grieving should last about a year. Not. Fact. There is no specific time frame for grieving. How long it takes varies from person to person. And another myth. Moving on with your life means forgetting about your loss. Not right. Fact. Moving on means you've accepted it. Your loss But that's not the same as forgetting. You can move on with your life and keep memory of something or something. In fact, these memories can become an integral part of who we are. While grieving a a loss is an inevitable part of your life, there are ways to help cope with pain, come to terms with your grief, and eventually find a way to pick up the pieces and move on with your life. First, try to acknowledge your pain. Second, accept the grief. That grief can trigger many different and unexpected emotions. Understand that your grieving process will be unique to you. Seek out to face, seek out face-to-face support from people who care about you. Support yourself emotionally by taking care of yourself physically. And recognize the difference between grief and depression, because there is a big difference there. And the quote this week, um, grief is the price we pay for love. Mm. And I really like that because that was spoken by Queen Elizabeth. That is a good quote. I don't know what inspired you to write that, Super Dave, but, oh, wow, look, there's a fire out there. Um, Sorry (laughs) about that, squirrel. Um, I don't know what inspired you to write that, but it's, it's so true because when I lost my brother, I don't think I cried for a year. And then I cried every day for like the next two years. You know, wow. just like Jan, that is so true. It's Be- just kind of crazy, yeah. Because I, when my mom passed away, I didn't cry at the memorial, or and then it, hits I, it hit me like a couple months later, and I I lost it for quite a while. Yeah, it might be you know you feel like you need to stay strong in that moment, or maybe even subconsciously, and then you know it just kind of weighs sure. down on you eventually. Mm-hmm. So yeah, good high road hauling, soup. Thank you. It is great. Final thoughts, everybody? Or you got something on that, Jim? No, 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 I was just, yeah, I was just waiting for the final thoughts. But I get, so Al, when Super Dave does these, we don't ever talk about those. We don't, he doesn't like get them approved or we discuss them. And (laughs) usually our stuff ends up matching really well with that. And I've always wanted to tell you, Al, your dad's funeral that you did was the best funeral, if, if that can possibly say it that way, that I've ever been to. Because when you did the phone and him calling, it lifted the room to a, to another level. There was no, there was grieving. It was sad, but it was another level of joy. And I've always wanted to tell you, thank you for that. Because it's, it's actually set the bar. I've told Dave, like, because I get emotional. I'm like, oh, oh Dave, sure. you're, you're going to have to do mom and dad's because yeah. it's, it's going <laughs> right? to suck for me. Right? I can't get through it. But you've set the bar for myself that I like. I have something important to say about my folks, you know, when that time comes. And I hope I can say it without, you know, without being that emotional. But yeah, you did. I've always wanted to tell you that, man. That was, that was, that was a fantastic job you did. Jeez. Get get me teared up and goosebumps, (laughs) you know, that's, that's great feedback. And man, that. It was, that's awesome that was yeah. a, that was a special time and a special celebration then mm-hmm. yeah it was good stuff so that was i mean you just that was up. your final thought not really oh, no <laughs> I, just, I, like, I, had, I had to spit that out so i, I just quickly because 
like lo- loading overweight and and you know looking out the, you know when you change lanes and doing stuff there's a quote here and uh we must do what we conceive to be the right thing and not bother our heads or burden our souls with whether we are going to be successful and i think you know when you haul overweight and and you know it there's always that chance of being caught or you know being pulled over or you know the possibility of a crash or anything like that and since you're not doing the right thing you have truly bothered your head and you and you've you've burdened your soul you're, you're looking over your shoulder you're looking over your shoulder it might not be a big deal but you you haven't done the right thing so because if we don't do the right thing we'll be doing the wrong thing and we will just be be part of the disease you know and i I know that sounds critical the disease but if you're not doing the right thing it's like everybody else that's doing the wrong thing you're just you're just the disease it's it's not and, and it ends here that you're part of the disease and not part of the cure so if you're hauling the correct weights and doing the best job possible it sets the bar to cure that we don't have to run reports on it we don't have to worry about the public we don't have to worry about people's families we don't have to worry about state patrol we don't have to worry about the port it's cured you took the high road you took high road it's cured so i want to i want to touch upon that and then and then i didn't write down whose quote that was but churchill's one of churchill's deal said is our friendship with the united states sums up in a quote and it says here winston churchill famously observed that americans will always do the right thing only after they have tried everything else (laughs) and it has to do with the war at that time Mm. but that lives true we'll do anything else sometimes and i doubt it's just americans but we love to do everything else possible before doing the right thing sometimes so just do the right thing it's just it's just easier that way you guys and i i did this as a pun okay so this is from lou holtz it's not the load that breaks you down it's the way you carry it Hmm. so i know that's personal right it's how you carry the load your burdens all that kind of stuff and how you carry that burden might break you down it is the same thing with your truck (laughs) <laughs> how you carry that load is going to break you down. Yeah. So just do the right thing and, and load legal. Sure. That's that's my final thought. Got it. Billy? Uh, mine's pretty short and sweet this week. I just want to say, you know, hang in there. It's been a long winter. You know, I think we've got kind of a slow day today, even though we, you know, we don't have any weather or whatnot. Uh, be grateful. Be good at what you do. Love the people around you. Mm. Say thank you to everyone. And let's get back to strong and proud, not weak and woke. I like that. Wokeness breeds weakness. <laughs> Al, you got some final thoughts? Oh, man. Uh, catch me off guard. But I think <laughs> what, what, what you guys do out there on the road is important. And you mean something. Thank you. You know, Don't think you're just a lonely old trucker. That's you awesome. Know, it's important. And so if you ever find yourself in a hole, the first thing to do, stop digging. <laughs> <laughs> so true oh that's so great true. that's Super. funny because we tell the drivers hey when you're in when something's going on just stop yeah yeah stop <laughs> yeah. just yeah. stop yeah call someone sure. we're here to help uh-huh yeah yeah i, I just i just want to say quickly thanks for coming on al 
Um, I've spent a lot of years hauling out of that quarry and, and then your other pits around town too, the pit four, pit eight. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's just a pleasure having you on and hearing a little bit about the history and and your family and, and uh, just stories about the quarry. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, you've been, uh, you've been a great guest. Uh, I've picked up on some words that you've been saying throughout the podcast. One, when you were talking about your marriage, you talked about selflessness. Then, when you talked about having your kid work at the quarry, you talked about your yoke could be heavy. Then you started talking about an arrow and a quiver, and these are all things that I've seen in the Bible. I was like, this guy's a man of God right here. Amen. Right? <clears throat> so, I'm going to give you a proverb that this Bible verse kind of came to me during, during the podcast, and uh, you had talked about giving your plans over to the Lord. Anyway, Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed, right? So right my family is going to be praying for the Albert Fry family and the JFW family and all the other families that will benefit and grow from the new 200 acres being permitted. So I believe that's going to come, come true for you guys. Sweet. Okay? Yeah. Thanks for being on the show. That's awesome. Thanks. Thank you all. All right, guys, girls. Everybody, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. We're going to oh. leave you. Oh, you. No, we're not going anywhere. Oh, okay. No, we're going to do the creed. We got to do the creed. creed. Yeah. I got lost there. <laughs> it's, exci- <laughs> it's a good finish. It feels good, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Right? Yep. So, together, together we face and overcome all that stands before us. Together, we are accident-free. Together, we joyfully create honest value for those we serve. Together we celebrate our differences and respect those with whom we work. Together we are accountable for our words and our actions. Together we are the JFW family. All right, guys, girls, anybody listening, we're going to leave you with the big, bright, shiny red trucks, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, Thanks, guys. Cheers. See you, everybody. See see those big bright shiny red trucks just a trucking down the road those big bright shiny red trucks just a looking for another load well it's a family tradition any rocky mountain day our fathers before us showed us the way we work for asphalt cowboys and concrete kings but that's never been a problem Cause we got diesel in our veins We've got diesel in our veins I see those big bright shiny red trucks Just a trucking down the road Those big bright shiny red trucks Just looking for another load There's a couple million tons to move I see them everywhere So you best get out their way And watch that sand and gravel disappear There's another run to make We gotta get it there on time And we got what it takes To lay it all out on the line We'll lay it all out on the line Big bright shiny red trucks just a truckin' down the road. Those big bright shiny red trucks just looking for another load. 
Those big, bright, shiny red trucks got the best drivers in town. They got all the tools they need to keep that hammer down. When they hit them scales, they won't need to dodge them, won't need to duck them. They just keep that hammer down and they keep that diesel truck in. Keep that hammer down and keep that diesel truck in. See those big, bright, shiny red trucks just a trucking down the road. Those big, bright, shiny red trucks just a looking for another load. They just keep them doors closed, keep them butts in their seats. Cause those customers are calling and those red trucks can't be beat. They've got to put the hammer down and pick up another load. Get it off the ground, keep them eyes open and on the road. Keep them eyes open on the road. I see those big, bright, shiny red trucks just a trucking down the road. Those big, bright, shiny red trucks just looking for another load. Breaker, Breaker 23, anybody got a copy on that Channel 23 podcast? Welcome and thanks for listening.